Middlecoff! Hey, babe! You know, we tried to go live Monday night after the game, but Middlecoff said he only does Raiders post-game. So here we are recording this podcast live on YouTube Tuesday morning. Very true. <laughs> Very true. A retired post-game. Uh, you're a retired post-game host as well. And, uh, That's true. Ace post-game. You know, <laughs> I remember a lot old, of angry Josh Reddick calls once upon a time, Josh. Old ladies used to call in a lot. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we probably had a combined, you know, 5,000 people listening. You mean Me, probably. all of the show's total? No, 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 no. I'm just saying on, on average. Yeah. I don't know. You don't probably know not true. as many because there's not, you know, football, you just naturally have 50, 60,000 people leaving, right? The A's, you know, had the 3,500 people leaving. So you I think it's very that. safe to say not as many, yes. But but you also got to stay home on Sundays while I worked, and we got the same pay. So that's something that uh, didn't age well. For me, age well for you. I mean, the A's played a day game. You got to leave, and, and I was on the air, you know? You remember when we redid our contract, though, you didn't have to do it anymore. That's right. My initial contract while I was doing the night show and doing A's post game. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not relive in the fucking. Ra- but I would argue that Raiders post game live elevated your profile, John. It was good for, no, for your profile. I, I, I think it's been irrelevant. I Ultimately worked, got you fired, but, you know, it was good for your profile. <laughs> I, I worked. You relaxed and watched all football games. I came to the game, didn't I? Some of the. Raiders I mean, games. yeah, I think the last couple of years, less and less. I don't blame I don't you. Let's just, let's, yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> All right, everybody. It's great to be here. We are live on YouTube on a Tuesday morning. This is a little different for us. After Monday Night Football, uh, hanging out on the pod, you know, it, it occurred to me, John, if we were, I was watching the Manning cast, if we had done this show many years ago, our favorite player would have been Mario Manningham. Um, and, uh, but he's not in the league anymore, so he's not our favorite player. I don't know. That's all That's all I had was that one line. This is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka. How about a liquid lunch? It is uh, It's number one vodka in America. Yeah. Do you know who probably need a triple shot vodka soda on the way home? That would be Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably Matt Stafford might have needed several John Daly's from Tito's. Number one vodka in America. I would imagine Aaron Donald. Who you, McVay kind of called out their uh, star players. He said our premium players need to play better. Aaron Donald, who actually made one play, might need a little vodka and crayon. And Odell Beckham, you know, who knows what he needs. But Tito's is where it's at. Number one vodka in America. Go make yourself a cocktail. When Next time you're out at a bar or a restaurant, go have yourself a cocktail. And when you do, tweet at us. Link us in, a, in an Instagram story. Link us in an Instagram post. We love you guys for it, and so does Tito's. Yeah, you posted a photo yesterday from a uh, somebody at a Niners suite. Uh, yeah. Had the Tito's. Had the Tito's. I got a. Uh, I got forwarded. Uh, it was actually someone's brother-in-law was at a suite, and then he just showed me a video of him, you know, scanning the thing. And when they went yeah. through, I, I I did screenshot. Al Guido. I know he never even liked to tweet. Al. <laughs> well, he was busy. He was busy last night. You yeah. know. Selling you know, bottle of Tito's season with tic- some nice selling season of tickets. Got, a lot of season yeah. tickets got re-upped last night. Slanging them. <laughs> uh, Tito's handmade vodka, John. That's that's what we ordered. You asked for Tito's. Is there a better order at a bar than Tito's and? No. Great bar Tito's. call, as people in the bar call. say. Bar call. Bar call on two. Tito's. Tito's. 
Uh, it is it is so good. We appreciate you supporting. Share us uh, your photos. Holidays are coming. What a, what a great gift, by the way, Tito's would make. A wonderful gift. Who wouldn't love that as a gift? Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume. Namely 80 proof. Crafted to be savored responsibly. Also brought to you by Puesto. Puesto, uh, I had I, I got a figure last night, like third quarter, Puesto line probably got long. People could go get something to eat because uh, the game was in hand, John. Go get a taco. Yep. I mean, Puesto, if you, next Niner game you go to, section 110, section 129, there's one in Concord. Next time you're in Santa Clara for a meeting of the Silicon Valley Minds of the Elites, get yourself a Puesto taco. You know what day it is, guy? It's Tito's Tuesday. It's yeah. also Taco Tuesday at 3 o'clock at Puesto. If you're in the area, half-off tacos starting at 3 o'clock. Half-off tacos. How, yeah. how do you beat that? I just if don't you're in Southern you California, go find a, uh, a Puesto. If you're in yep. the Bay Area, find a Puesto. Like John said, sections 110, 129 at Levi's. But Taco Tuesday, 3 p.m. to close, half-off. And they've got happy hour Monday through Friday, 3 to 5. So this is like a Tuesday is like picking up eight yards on first down. Now it's mm-hmm. second and two, and the whole playbook's available to you. When you can double up Taco Tuesday and Happy Hour, John, like your nine dollar Puesto Perfect Margarita, Mwah! I'm a big fan. I recommend the Quesabiria Taco. That's my go-to. The crispy melted cheese, the braised short rib. John likes the seafood selections. Um, like you're not a big seafood guy, are you? The fish. Not a big seafood guy. No. Why not? I don't know. Depends. Uh, the smell, the consistency, the 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 texture, the the yeah. like shrimps. The way the shrimp bites and like kind of squirts or the little skin on it, you know. Yeah, it's incredible. But other people love it. Other people yeah. love it. You know, I know my I know my playbook, and it's just not in my playbook, but I know every good every good playbook has it. You know, so it's not for so, everyone. No, but it's for most, and most of you yeah. love it. And you had it at Puesto when we went, and you loved it. So there you go. All right. Well, who caught it? during the Sunday show that we had won eight in a row and we went with Niners money line full credit Middlecoff's idea. He said, should we take Niners money line? Seemed crazy, but that's what made it beautiful. John Niners for the win. That's what we bet on Monday. And uh, we nailed it. I mean, we are uh, on fire. I don't even know if that properly describes because when you say we've won nine bets in a row, including the Niners money line on Monday, that doesn't even include the 14 parlay that we, yeah, I mean, we've turned $300, $150 each, into $4,700. <laughs> so basically, we've turned $150 into like $2,350. So we are we are scorching hot. The Niners philosophy, like I, I think we do think out <clears throat> the lock of the week. Like, is this a good matchup? We usually take a better team against a team that's struggling or just for whatever reason. That one made no sense, right? It was like the Niners have been terrible. The Rams are one of the best teams in the league. It just didn't make that much sense. And we're on several text chains where it's like, the Niners are going to get killed. Most people I'm texting with, uh, the Niners are in trouble. That is exactly when you bet a team. When every person thinks, and I think Thursday night's a good example. I don't feel, I I don't like betting on the Falcons, but it's like every single human being is going to bet on the Patriots. It's like the Patriots, Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, they are going to dominate them. And then all of a sudden, it'll be like, 13-13 13-13 going into the fourth quarter. He'd be like, I should have known! Thursday night! Yeah, yeah, that's... You don't need to over... We don't do, like, EPAs and fucking where you rank and score. You, you don't need to overthink this shit. And that's what we did with the 49ers, mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1. 
and we won pretty, I mean, easily, easily. That was a, I would say our last two victories, Patriots and Niners, were a cruise control victory. <laughs> I mean, it's the opposite of which the rush, it's a different kind of rush than you can often get from gambling. Uh, the, 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 a much more subtle, slow burn, right? When you know you've won it by halftime. That's, that's a, maybe not halftime yesterday, Monday night. You know, it was 21 Felt pretty good at half, but I, 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 I wouldn't, I, I didn't think the game was over, over like I did with the Patriots, but, you know, felt pretty confident. I mean, we can get back to it, but the one, one moment you felt really good about was the uh, this this was on the YouTube. I'm showing Manning, Phil Mickelson, and Eli's faces when the Rams ran their fake field goal. That uh, they're in love with Johnny Hecker's arm, John. If you look at Manning, can't believe what he's saying. Mickelson is stunned. Eli, classic Eli face, just classic Eli face. That was when quite a I, moment. I, I was doing a couple things this morning, and I just threw on the iPad in the corner just to replay the game, like the 30-minute. It was quick. It was a 30-minute replay on Game Pass. Do you know who made that tackle? Uh, 44, 55? Uh, 93, DJ Jones. Oh, DJ Jones. And it was an incredible open field tackle. I mean, he hauled ass to the corner, lit his ass up. It was sweet. That was... I don't know why Kyle didn't call timeouts to try to get the ball back. Now, clearly, he just doesn't really trust Jimmy. <laughs> you know, even in games when he does he trust Jimmy. He has established what he does at the end of first halves when he does not have the football, John. It's well so they got they got They got double bailed out there. The, one, they didn't call timeouts. Then the Rams obviously couldn't score a touchdown. And then they run the fake field goal. That was a uh, – and DJ Jones made, I mean, one of the plays of the game. Wasn't even close. What the yard was it seven to go? How many yards to go on that fake field? Yeah, I think goal? it was four, fourth and seven or fourth and eight. I mean, I don't yeah, even it was know. Was back to the line of scrimmage. I understood. You and I talked about this the other day, or last not the other day, last night after the game. Like McVeigh thinking maybe Kyle's going to come out and score. I got to get a touchdown here. I got to keep scoring with them. But yeah, it's a disaster. And I, I'm pro fake plays. Like I, I've been begging, begging the Niners to run a fake. And I'll be okay if it doesn't work, as long as you have the right time. Like, and that, that time didn't make any sense. To me, you run a fake on, like, fourth and two, and you run a fake punt, right? I, I'm not even a big field goal fake guy. Like, I, that was a pretty risky. I'm more of a fake punt guy. Yeah. I, I yeah. want a fake punt. I would say start, when the person who has the ball starts the play from their knees, not facing the line of scrimmage, you know, not a power position. I'm no body language expert, but I'd say that's not a power position. And the other thing with fake field goals, I mean, Robbie Gold is pretty reliable. And when they had buff Joey Sly, he was pretty nails too. Like, I just kick field goals. I'm good with you guys just taking threes. Yeah. You know, but the punting when you have a when you have a punter that runs a four three or not a four three, but a four six, let him run. We uh, my bookie data G promo code ham the number one. They'll double that first deposit up to a thousand bucks. Remember, if you accept the bonus, you have to bet the full amount before you withdraw funds. You can also um, decline the bonus. Ham one. We got to figure out. We're waiting currently for the Niners Jags line to appear here because let's let's evaluate let's evaluate our options here early on. Anything jumps out to you? I wrote down three games. Pat's game has moved since we. Started. It's now seven. I, I do not. I'm not touching that game. With it. I, if anything, I would probably take the uh, the Falcons. The football team jumped out to me, getting three and a half points against PJ uh, Tucker and uh, and Cam Newton. Like I, Cam Newton, as he said last week, at this time last week, I was eating cereal. 
this week I'm scoring touchdowns. Like, it's just, he can't throw. Let's, let's not forget that. He can't throw. So he scored two touchdowns. He's the greatest red zone, you know, not red zone, one, two-yard line quarterback of all time. But I do I trust the football team? Though Heineke, I, wa- I rewatched. I, I mean, I watched for the first time on Monday, just that game against the Bucks. He looked pretty good. This was the first line that jumped out to me. It's almost too weird, though. How are the Panthers getting three and a half at home? I don't really like dabbling in those two teams. Like, I just, I don't trust anything going on there. Okay, what else? Either side. What else are we thinking about? I don't trust either one of these two teams either, but it's just a number that just perked my interest. Raiders plus one, Bengals in Vegas. I don't hate that. Give me your give now, me your next one, because I have another one too. Bengals coming off a bye, though, and Raiders in some shambles. Kind of a line in the sand game for the Raiders. Like they lose this game, it's kind of over. Like they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah. My other game was I just I just think the Colts are pretty good. And they're getting a touchdown. You know? They're getting a touchdown. Against now they're playing the Bills, but they're getting a touchdown. I got a game for you. That's an interesting one. But I, the Bills the Bills, I just I know they're off. But they, they are bound to have their Chiefs moment. It's coming. Yeah. I just I don't want to be on the other side of it when it happens. It's risky. But not a bad thought. I mean, they're off. It's just a lot yeah. of points for a team that might probably makes the playoffs, right? As a seven seed. That's the way I'm looking at it. Um, here's one for you. How about I as someone who's like the Vikings and I liked the Vikings last week? How about the Packers minus two and a half at Minnesota? I saw that one. I just find Minnesota tough little out. I, I agree that that, I, I, that game was interesting, but I didn't. I couldn't really pick a side. I know. I wonder. To me, as someone who has been on Minnesota twice this year, correctly, I'm kind of. I, I wonder if they're a little overvalued this time. The Packers, I think, have just established they're a much better football team. Rivalry game. I, you know, they get to go inside after they played outside last week. They did not look great last week. Aaron gets a practice win. Aaron gets a practice. That's right. That game stood out to me. It's just is, that, is, is the Packers minus two and a half just value? To me, if the Niners are anything less than a touchdown, if they're like five and a half, six against the Jags, that'll be my favorite game on the board. Okay, let's keep an eye out for that game. Yeah, I'm not sure where that game is at the moment. Yeah, I think those are the, any others we need to hit. No, Block will be on Thursday. People have been asking. We did, I don't think I've really expressed this well. We've hit nine in a row. Now, I, you know, you do whatever you want with that. Some The haters will say John, it can't continue. Well, that's fucking why we'll just keep gambling and keep winning, and they can shut up. Nate on the stream says, after last night, the Niners will be minus 10. I had I had this thought last night when we were talking that the, the combo, if you're ever going to take an underdog on Monday, is to take the underdog, and then also if you can get them the next week when you think they're going to have a bounce back after a big national TV game, get them immediately. You but. you could you could argue the Niners preseason like just September if we just went through every, seventeen games and just pick lines assuming everyone's healthy, I would have said the Jags game had potential to be like minus fourteen even on the road <laughs> of ten. So right. you could argue anything less than ten points, the Niners could fuck them up. You know, Urban Meyer thrived when he could pay uh, players under the table. Kyle Shannon thrives when he pays his players in direct deposit and Uncle Sam takes money out. So it's just, it's a different world for old Urban, that miserable SOB. Uh, I think it's, he's going to beat his ass. When he pays his players in handoffs. Yeah, that, that he does. And toss sweeps. Like you were telling me, the 
it was a it was a old school. When I say old school, I mean like some of the games Kyle and the Niners have had at home in years past. Domination. I mean, they've won a lot of games like this in big games, like the Rams, the Packers. They've won some dominant, dominant, dominant games, and uh, we picked them to win. I didn't think it was going to necessarily look like that on Monday night. What did you think watching as that game was unfolding in front of your eyes? You know what hit me last night? Or excuse me, actually this morning when I was really thinking about it. But it hit me last night is that I am such a sucker for and will not apologize. And I, I, I when I say cracking skulls, I don't want anyone to get a concussion. But I like old school football. And the two good Niner coaches of the past, of the York era have they run different run plays but at their core they love to run the football and really at their core they love to shove it down your throat in a physical manner and i'm a sucker for that football i i, I it's my favorite type of football and as this as the sport becomes much more seven on seven i still like throwing the ball but i i have a i have a soft spot for a buckle up I can tell you at the line of scrimmage. Hey, Harbaugh used to do this. We're going to run power right. Hey, we're also we're going to snap the ball on one. It's coming. Get fucking ready. Kyle last night was basically, guys, I'm running toss every single play. You, by about the third or fourth snap, you know it's coming. We know it's coming. Let's see who can win. Like I, I, I have a soft spot for that football, and I think this year it, Kyle just got off kilter. That is who he is. Now, granted, he needs George Kittle because he runs the toss. It's basically one of his, you know, Trent Williams and McGlinchey. McGlinchey's out now. They got, like, backup tackles in. But Kittle and Juice leading the hole for the running back to then just pick his lane and hit that hole as hard as humanly possible. And the collisions, that's as violent of a collision as you'll find in 2021, right? Because the collisions in the passing game don't exist. So I, I just thought Kyle got back to his roots of, uh, and listen, it's not always going to work, but I'm going to shove this down your throat. And early on, everyone in the stadium is going to know it's coming. Both teams know it's coming. It becomes the best part about football. Like, uh, we're just tougher than you? Or, or are you going to be tougher than us? Someone's going to say uncle. And, I, and, and Harbaugh was like that. And I think Kyle, when he's had his success, that's how he plays. Yeah, I, I think I we've talked about this over the years as the game has changed that uh... – there was once, you know, the NFL got, it felt like it got to a point where only two teams were play, for a little bit, only two teams were really playing that way at the same time. And that was Seattle and San Francisco. Now that's not totally true, but that was definitely, uh, they were, they were so good at the same time that it felt that way. And that I think you and I have always said, that's our preferred style of football because it's, it, um, it, it normally keeps games from getting from looking like big 12 football games, which I think you and I have historically made fun of like 48, 46 where possessions don't matter. I don't like, um, it. I don't like it unless it's like a major upset, like Kansas, Texas, then it's, then it's kind of fun. They, they have their believe- moments, Oklahoma and Texas this year. I don't want to watch a national cool. championship game. That looks like no, that. I'm with you Monday night. Remember years ago, golf first Mahomes was cool. I, I can do one offs, but I think sometimes I- football becomes that. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a return to who they are. It was a return to who they are. And I think part of that is, or at least who they've been before. And I think a big part of it is when they take the football away and play from ahead early, they can really play that way. And, uh, you know, the Stafford interception, I, I didn't think when Stafford threw the first pick, like, oh, this is the game. But I thought it was an immediate 
a little pressure off because the Niners have just not been able to make that play consistently. And then they score it and then they get another takeaway and Ward takes it pick six. And that's where they on defense just finally got after Mosley. Maybe you could argue should have had a pick. But to me, that that's what some of their games have been missing is those early moments where the defense takes it away and it immediately leads to something like. Was it the Bears game where they were getting stops like crazy, but they weren't necessarily trans or the Packer game, the Packer game. Yeah. It wasn't translating to anything, right? It just felt to me like early in the game Monday, they just were able to take some of the weight off of their shoulders and play a little freer and do well, more dictate the terms. Well, the Harbaugh team's defense was even better than the 19 defense. I mean, they were I, I was thinking last night, like Fred Warner's had had a bad season. He he it's I didn't quite lock into him early on and notice it. Even as people were talking about it. the last couple of games, I've watched him pretty closely. He is not playing well. I, 51 was our best linebacker last night. And look, one thing we've realized, and I'm, I'm a Fred Warner fan, maybe he's just going through a rough stretch. He is not Bowman or Willis, right? He just, he's not on their tier. Even when he's yeah. great, he's not on those guys level. So their defense, the best way to, especially with this team and he's, you know, Bose is their best defender and Fred's their second best defender in terms of talent, that it's not as good as it was. Well, the best way to play defense is keep them off the field, right? And just make them, when they do come, they can just lay it all on the line. And they controlled the clock last night. Like the Rams didn't get that many possessions. At one point in time, the possession arrow, Harbaugh's teams used to play like this. Any good team that can really run the ball can play like this. They have the ball way more than you have the ball. So when you go three and out, you go, we just got the ball one time that quarter. What the fuck? And your defense can just play fresh. And I think too often when the Niners are playing bad, it's like when Kyle gets pass happy early in downs and Jimmy's not good enough to like, when you have Rodgers yeah, or Mahomes, you can throw it all three downs. You know, your percentage of hitting a first down is pretty high. Sometimes Jimmy can have first downs where like, he doesn't even hit a guy in the hands. Like I'm even talking about when they jump. I mean, balls just fly all over the place. And then immediately you punt, and then, the you know, that didn't happen last night. And that, to me, was refreshing to watch of just, you control the ball, we're running it every single play, and you cannot stop it. You you cannot stop it. And it is, it is really an unstoppable play when you have fresh running backs, and they clearly, for whatever reason, Trey Sermon is just way down in the depth chart. They like Jeff Wilson a lot better than Trey Sermon. And you watch him last night, like, he runs his ass off. You know, they like Debo Samuel more than Trey Sermon, but Debo Samuel's a better player than Trey Sermon. Yes, but he's not a running back. <laughs> I know, but we'll get, as, Ma- as Manning said, you know, the one thing about having Debo back there, you probably can't audible because then no. you're trusting a receiver to blitz pickup. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck with him. <laughs> well, Peyton basically said, you know, when I was playing quarterback, aka when I was my own offensive coordinator, we would never have called this shit because I can't control. Well, Jimmy ain't the OC, so Jimmy ain't in control. Elijah Mitchell's really good, and we were looking before we hopped on. He's a top 10 rusher right now in the league, and really, he didn't really get going until two games into the season, but he's a really, really good player, and you just ride him like secretariat, right? You're right, though. I mean, the Debo thing... It's hard because he's clearly one of your best players, but it's like, you know, that's where you can get hurt. I'm just like running. You just play yeah. running back. I don't know. It's exactly it's the balance. opposite of what I said. I wanted to see out of Debo Samuel this year, but you, you know, how about his touchdown play work. last night from the, you know, the shotgun. It was sweet. Well, it, it was. And I, I think, you know, the, to me, the biggest thing that happened on Monday night was 
they converted third downs out of their ass and a lot of and fourth downs their third down conversion was 57 percent. okay they were eight out of 14 in the game well it's way easier when you're third and three and not third and nine that too but a lot of them were throw there were a lot of jimmy throws on the you know the third and six touchdown to kittle was a very difficult play like a play that can go the other way it was a tough throw and it was a really tough catch probably his best pass of the year I mean, given the in the location, the DBs, he was like, they were yeah. both coming down on him. He had to put it high. It was a really good throw. It was a great throw. And it but it to me, that was the that thing capped a eighteen play drive, seventeen play drive, um, eighteen play drive. The drive after that was an eleven play drive. The field goal drive in the third quarter was a uh ten play drive. The touchdown in the fourth was a six play drive. That was quick. But my point is this, is what we've talked about a lot with the Niners. And I was thinking this, watching their first possession that came as a result of Stafford taking a deep shot. The Niners get the ball. Then they just 18 plays. And it was the end of the quarter. You said Manning called it the long, the fastest first quarter on Monday night football ever. Um, is they just, well, what? They, I mean, when you have a, when you have a drive like that and you're rushing the ball, the clock goes, there's no stop. Clock's not stopping. Not a lot of penalty. I mean, there was an offsides penalty on the Rams, but, um, but the Niners have still like what what they did last night. It's still, I think, a very tight, uh, a, a thin, tight rope to walk because it requires a lot of things to happen one after the other, after the other, after the other for you to get the ball down the field. Right. Michael on the stream says execution was elite last night. It was. But it's you saw like they just need thing after thing after thing after thing 57% third down conversion would be number 1 in the NFL this year they're 36%. So they were 20% better by percentage on third down. 2019 they were 5th in the NFL third down conversion 44%. Their third down conversions on Monday night were off of the charts like to a degree that you can't normally be. That's okay. They won the game by a margin so you don't have to do that but you know, it's their best game of the season, but you don't have to like that's that's a complete game. Like you get an A for that. And most yeah. How many teams, even if you're a 12, 13 win team, you probably only play a couple A games. But to me, the philosophy of staying with the run, staying committed to the run, to me is what you have. Like that is when the team is going to be most successful. Are you just going to have back to back drives against good teams like the Rams are, where you account for 19 plays? Probably not. Right, that's not. But can you have a drive or two throughout the game where you play like this? Because when they've been their best, that's how they play. Right, and that's they're somewhat of an outlier in the league, because most teams, if you just watch football, if you just sit on your couch on Sunday, most football does not look like that. Right. Uh, yeah, but I still think it was Garoppolo throwing the ball that no, allowed them to. But he only had 19 attempts. Well, I understand, but like I said, their margin and all. Think about the games they've played; they've been so close. The margin between winning and loss, losing and losing, the margin between winning and losing for the most part in their games have been razor thin. Well, because when you can run the ball, it makes it easier on Jimmy. And when Jimmy had his most success, they had a great running season. Jimmy is not a quarterback, as we've I, seen. He cannot carry you. He cannot I t- do it. I but totally when he can agree. Play but with, what, like what I'm Cannon saying Hill, is, I think I think they can run. I think they run the ball well enough to win i think the games that jimmy misses a couple of throws or they make a couple of mistakes they lose and the games where jimmy doesn't make the mistakes and he makes a couple of those throws they win it's just it's such a thin margin 
Jimmy last had a couple, night, the margin as the looked, game went on, you know, he could have thrown a couple of picks to Jalen Ramsey. It's like, oh, there, Jimmy. <laughs> Be Jaylen careful, got buddy. Hot on the sideline. I know, but that's but that's the way the game. But that is what they do. Like John, the margins with these games they play in. I know the score was so big, but yeah, you, that's them at their best. You just can't expect that every week. Like they're not going to play like that every week. One hundred percent. But to me, the philosophy of limit Jimmy Garoppolo's opportunities to fuck you. Right to me, that's key. And any like he is what he is now, and that was his best game of the season. He only had to throw nineteen times. To me, the number, obviously 19 is probably going to be pretty low. Can you keep that in the mid-20s? Like, can you just keep his attempts 25-ish and lower? You have a chance. When you got to throw 35, for the most part with Jimmy Garoppolo, you're going to lose. Or he potentially will put you in position to throw a pick six or get a fumble, you know, create a fumble. Like, he can screw you. They just, he was just a cog last night. And that's when he's at his best. It's one thing we've learned now of the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. He's a role player. And I, most teams that are good, their quarterback isn't a role player. He's the leader of the offense. That is not the Niners. They can't operate like that. Luckily, they have so much talent. Kittle is elite with the ball in his hands. Debo's becoming a star. Ayuk is really, really talented. Their running backs can catch. You know, Juszczyk can catch. Like, Jimmy just has to play a role with those guys. And yeah. last night, to me, was his most accurate game because I don't think he... I think sometimes he like feels he has to carry it. And for, I don't know, I'm not like a quarterback, you know, uh, Tom House here, but for whatever reason, he gets squirrely when he throws it more often. And he's he's more accurate when he throws it less. Well, and, and when he throws it faster. When he yeah. get the less he holds the football. I mean, now one thing they did yesterday, right, was the, uh, did you see the, the uh, shotgun percentages, next-gen stats? Garoppolo was in shotgun 89 and 93 dropbacks since week eight, 96% compared to 66 over the rest of his career. He finished with just one play action dropback in the game on Monday, a career low, and one dropback under center tied for a career low. So just playing the shotgun moving forward then. That's why not? I mean, yeah. Tom Brady likes it. You do whatever you got to do to win. And to me, whatever Jimmy was doing before this game was a disaster. Like it it was, you were going to lose, right? You're just going to lose. Or you needed your defense and special teams to make crazy plays for you to win. So if like that's working, stick with that. What does Belichick do? I, I was listening to Doug Peterson with Rosillo, and he was like going into the Patriot Super Bowl. And Rosillo was like, well, they had the worst defense, you know, that year of all their good teams. And he's like, you know, the hardest part about ever preparing for the Patriots is like the previous game doesn't ever mean anything. Because everything changed. They'll do whatever yeah. it takes to win that game. They're a game plan do- team. Do whatever it takes for Jimmy to feel comfortable. And that means playing in the shotgun beside toss sweeps when he's, you know, under center. And really, you can toss it. They they have a toss play with him in shotgun, right? It's just a shorter toss. The guy kind of runs under him. But you can do variations of all the same plays, whether he's under shotgun or not. There There does, there is an element of the toss it is probably better under center, right? But if that's the only time Jimmy's under center, it'll be a dead giveaway. Yeah, they, but they ran they ran that play. What they they just so much misdirection sometimes. I mean, there was a lot of misdirection that they were able to run some weird plays out of shotgun, right? Yeah. Um, Salem Love on YouTube says, "I disagree with Guy. They've been doing these long drives all season. What the difference is is what Middlecoff is saying. The running game with Jeff Wilson Jr. By the way, it makes life so much easier. I like that guy." Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure what the what I'm saying that's different than what you're saying. I agree with you. I'm just saying I think 
Well, I guess the difference might be. My, my, my point my is, point is, is you, you got to get the attempts down. And the way to get the attempts down is to be really consistent with the run game, like overly stick well, to could, it when most people would say pass. I couldn't agree more. But is last night when they're playing with the lead really the example of how easy it is for them to run the football? No, like, but my point got is that you have to just stick to it no matter what. Like that's their philosophy. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but when you're playing from behind and the clock's working against you, like at some point you have to get the ball down the field if you if you if your defense doesn't give you a 14 to nothing lead. Yeah, but my my point is not like down 30 to nothing. I'm saying like you know, you're down well, of course. 17 to 7, you just stick with and he's gotten away from it several times. Here, here's like what I'll I was say. coaching poorly. I don't think that wins them games if Garoppolo can't deliver like he did last night, third down, third and five, fourth and six, some of those throws. Maybe that's what part, I agree with you. I don't think that in and of it. I still think the difference between winning and losing for them will be the run game can put them in position to win it. But Garoppolo's just going to have to be clean like he was last night. Yeah, I mean, part of it was, and we can get into Kyle, is like guys were open. You know, I mean, guys were open. And that's just, let's face it, through a stretch of football, it was bizarre to sit there and go, I'm watching these other teams. And it's not just, it's one thing if like Devontae Adams is getting open. You just go, well, fuck, he gets open. But just consistently get random guys open. Yet the Niners players, a part of it, Kittle missed a stretch. We're just always blanketed everywhere. It's like they got this offensive coach who's known as this offensive schematic guy. Like the thing Kyle hangs his hat on obviously is the run game. But then when he passes off of it or just run some pass plays, guys can just get wide open, and they were never fucking open. And last night, for the first time, it feels like all season long, that he had a game plan that was just, he had things mapped up all over the place. And that, to me, was, and there was a lot of like, we're all the Kyle haters now, where's every, well, was, life's fluid. Football's fluid, everything is fluid. Things change every single day. Yesterday it was warmer, today it's cold. Kyle, for many games, Let's face it, was terrible. Like he's had last season, they went six and ten. He's going to win more than six teams, six games last year. He was better the majority of the season last year than he ever was for a large stretch of this season. Last night was the Kyle Shanahan that was the reason everyone in this, all millions of Niner fans, one of the biggest brands in the league that I'm sure that fucking television rating last night was massive, got behind this guy because it was like he just. He got he has different pitches in his bag. And it it hadn't been there. And last night it was. And it could be he's comfortable playing that team. I maybe he looked in the mirror. I, I don't know. It I disagree worked. a little bit. I think sometimes shit works and sometimes it doesn't. Now you're right. It's your job to find the things that work. I we saw Debo Samuel running the football. Like they did a bunch of stuff that worked. But I'm not sure that Kyle had changed that much. I think sometimes things work and then it builds on itself. There were plenty of contested throws that Jimmy made that were completed that on other days Jimmy throws too high. I, I don't know that Kyle changed so much as they got the lead, they drove the field, they scored the touchdown instead of kicking the field goal. They got a pick six on the second drive. I'm not saying then, I'm not saying he changed. I'm just saying and then you're called better plays. Yeah, and I'm saying, I don't know. I'm not sure that he called better plays so much as the plays worked, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. And I thought the fact that they got that interception early, they were able to the th scoring on third and six on that first drive. I thought was massive. If they had had to kick a field goal, I think it feels very differently. And then they get a pick six. Jimmy Ward, Balt, the Niners have been dropping interceptions. They haven't been scoring defensive touchdowns. They scored. I think it just took the pressure off a little bit. I, I'm going to push back there. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app. 
because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game. And I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Price picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. ButcherBox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. Four years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get ButcherBox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you... Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. I think you could make that argument for the Arizona game in a vacuum that it was like, you know, if we really looked into it, Kyle probably wasn't as bad as we were all shitting on him. But you don't lose five of six games in the NFL when you're a high-level coach without being in a little bit of a rut. Remember the Okay, yeah, game? that's fine. I'm not debating that. I'm not saying it wasn't partly his fault or his fault or whatever, but this idea that suddenly he changed and that's why they I'm won. I'm not saying he changed. I'm just saying he had a better game. He just had a Yeah, and I'm saying that it's not like Kyle has a good game, they win. Kyle has a bad game, they lose. I'm saying sometimes you call good plays that work. Sometimes you call bad plays that – or good plays that don't. Sometimes you call – bad plays that do, I think it's an oversimplification to say suddenly Kyle's gotten better and now they're winning. But I'm not saying better. I'm just saying – However you're saying it, I think it's a two-way street. Sometimes they work and it makes you look better. Sometimes they don't and it makes you look bad. And that's fair. That's a fine way to evaluate it. But I think that's hard when you lose five or six games. Like if you have a two-game stretch, you know, five or six games is a pretty big sample size in football, right? That's – so I'm not saying he was just the, the same guy the whole time necessarily. I'm just saying I think it's an oversimplification to say that he was bad and now he's good and it worked and it didn't because of him. I I think I'm optimistic about them now because the math, uh, they've given themselves a chance. But I think it's a little dangerous to uh, everything worked for them. And that's not most games. Everything worked for them. And I think partly it started when – they got the pressure off of themselves early. 100%. But I think we talk a lot about with players and any human being having confidence, right? And believing in yourself, the more confidence, confidence builds. I mean, you could call a, a college basketball game or football game like with like you can do it with pretty much ease now, right? I'm not saying it's easy to do, but I'm just saying you know how to do it. I could give you a, you could call the fucking egg bowl. If you had to get, you'd be ready to go. 
but five, 10 years ago, you, you know, it would have been different. Like, but if you just have an awful game or said something crazy on air, it could throw you off. It's no different. We talk about players all the time. Like they get confident. Like Debo's clearly confidence is built, and Debo now thinks every time I step on the field, I'm unstoppable. I don't think it's that much different for coaches, especially play callers. Like you can just you can just start questioning yourself. It's human nature, right? To just it, you hit a couple bad shots and you're having the round of your life. All of a sudden, it can derail you. And I think as a coach, even for a guy that's probably as confident and cocky as Kyle is that the confidence is a big deal. And when you start losing, like, I, I, I do think you can just lose confidence. Like, is my shit working? Is my message working? So how do you and, get confidence back before you've actually Well, you just fucking have a good game. And you just well, that's start my realizing, point. yeah. That's my point. It's like each play, like the play working in the third quarter works because it worked in the second, something else worked in the second quarter and something else worked in the first well, quarter. Well, yeah, he had, a, he had a good game. He called his first good game and basically... Okay, but my point is they've been part of the reason they've been bad is because they haven't had the first thing happen that leads to the second thing that leads to the third thing that leads to the fourth thing. But he never had the problem, you would say, for the most part, the last couple of years of getting the first thing to happen, a, a pretty like easy. Or sometimes they've had the first thing, but they have. I think a lot of this goes back to their inability to do anything quickly on offense. Everything takes 11 or 15 plays, seven to 15 plays to get down the field. And when that happens, Oh, failed third down, throws the whole thing out. You can't ever just hit a 65-yard bomb. Boom, everything starts working again. I think well, that is the fundamental issue where sometimes, Kyle, it can go way left because they have a three and out. Other times you hit seven, 11 plays in a row, and now you've got a rhythm. Well, here's part of the problem, though. And I'm with you, and there's probably a lot to that. But Kyle's also responsible for the guys on the field. Remember that Dabo Sweeney thing? Like, I'm responsible for everything. Totally. So part of it is like, well, Jimmy was shitty. We all fucking saw it. The only guy who thinks Jimmy is good is David Lombardi, who I like David Lombardi, but his fucking Jimmy Garoppolo takes are just out of fucking left field. And Kyle was like insistent on leaving them there when he got this rookie quarterback. The the, the guy we saw last night was clearly a lot different than the one airmailing everybody, right? And, and you, you know, part of, I think a lot of the anger is not, not just the play callers, but his insistence of like Garoppolo as he's throwing these balls all over the place. Like what is going on? And if he gets a good Jimmy, yeah, his play calls are probably going to be better, but it goes back to him sticking with some of these guys. And luckily, their offense last night, because early on in the game, like, I don't think Josh Norman's going to be able to cover Odell Beckham. And last night, it didn't matter. Stafford was off. Their whole offense was off. But he's going to stick with Josh Norman. So part of, you know, me talking about Kyle being shitty is also stuff like that, right? The players on the field are under his watch, and he's choosing them to be out there or not. Yeah, I, I, well, I agree. But Jimmy had that. Jimmy's had that game before that he had on Monday night, and that's no, Jimmy. At I his know, but best he, but bet. but he, but he had played like four or five games that looked like Jimmy shitty, you know? Right. But that's also Jimmy. Like that's that's why he drafted a quarterback. But he didn't replace everyone wanted Trey Lance, us included. Although we said last week this is not the game to play Trey Lance, and he didn't make that change, and they it still worked. I I don't. I mean, you're right. The coach is responsible for everything. I'm not trying to reduce his responsibility. I'm just saying I think we can overstate. I think the fundamental issue, again, is it takes so many plays. They walk such a fine line. This is why they need a different quarterback, big picture, because it takes so much. So many different dominoes have to hit in order for them to be on rhythm. And I think I, 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 I guess I guess what I'm saying is that your argument of the play calling, I think there's probably a lot of validity to that. I think a lot of the animosity 
is also to the personnel stuff that we have talked about, which yeah. I think Kyle's under yeah. a lot of heat for that are, and it's all in a weird way kind of connected, right? Right. Because he is the personnel guy and he doesn't have personnel solutions for some of the problems that he's created or that they no. have. If I were going to agree with you and say Kyle needed some confidence and that he found some confidence, because my question was chicken or the egg. How do you get confidence before you have confidence? How do you get confidence before you've done something to you don't. earn you, the you confidence? Have, you have to do it. Well, but maybe it's partly this. Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay, who owns Pete Carroll, who owns Kyle Shanahan, is the NFC West Circle of Life. Tweet from Joe Fan. Kyle Shanahan's won five in a row. Maybe we were looking at the Rams game wrong the whole time, that it was coming at the wrong time. Maybe it was coming at the right time. Sean McVay has, in his career, lost 24 regular season games in four and a half seasons. He's been really good. Six of those 24 are to Kyle Shanahan. So Kyle Shanahan has accounted for 25% of Sean McVay's losses. Maybe he got his confidence, John, because A, they did some good things offensively in a loss to the Cardinals, to your point, right? That maybe those two fumbles, maybe they win the game, if not for that, as you said. Maybe playing the Rams came at the right time for them. Maybe they just know how to play this team. And the Rams, in some ways, Stafford hasn't played great. And so while he's not golf against them on this particular night, he didn't create the problems that maybe he will if they meet again and Odell is more involved in the offense. You know, I think for the first time, because a week ago, the injury bug didn't help them, right? I mean, they felt Colt McCoy and he had, they were awesome and they kicked their ass. It, I mean, Robert Woods, you felt that last night. Their whole offense was out of whack. So I, I they definitely benefited from that. But they also just, that game they played last night probably beats every team in the NFC West, or at least gives them a chance to win all the games. At home, Monday Night Football, them coming out like that, they got a chance. Now, they probably don't win by that margin if they're playing Kyler or Russell who are playing at a higher level. Like, Matt Stafford was really bad. So anytime, and this is the flip side of, like, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, like, when you're Kyle Shanahan, you're calling these plays, and your quarterback is really shitty, and then you get down, and you have to keep calling, you know, pass plays, you're going to lose. Like, Matt's, with Matt, if you're down by multiple scores, and you're calling pass plays, and your quarterback whether it's a rookie, whether it's a eight-time Pro Bowler, whether it's Matt Stafford, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and they're off, I'd say in the game of football, you're probably fucked, right? You're going to lose. So it, it might have just been, the Niners played really good, and they also just got Stafford, who was atrocious. Like, that was, you know, that was really, really bad football. from. So no matter what Sean McVay did, was just really bad. Like, part of the dominance I always felt like when the Niners played golf and, you know, we, you and I have talked about this for years, is like he was kind of a sitting duck back there in the pocket. Stafford was letting the ball rip. It was just flying all over the place. It wasn't like he was getting sacked all the time. He was just, what's going on here? Does he even know where the ball's going? Yeah. He was terrible. Like, it, it looked a lot different when they were on offense than it did with Jared Goff. Like, that's not what Jared Goff had looked. Jared Goff was, like, skipping balls. Jared Goff was crumbling in the pocket. And I don't mean that. Like, I'm not, I, I like, Peyton Manning was asked last night, like, I like Jared Goff too. Peyton Manning, you could tell, did not want to criticize Jared Goff because Phil asked him, like, what's the difference of Jared Goff and Matt Stafford? I am not an anti-Jared Goff guy, but he just can't move. So he's a sitting duck. Stafford can move a little bit. His balls were just all over the map. They just really were. And so if the Niners get that, like, if they play a quarterback who's going to be really shitty, the Niners can win games. And But that also works like the Niners have lost a lot of games because their quarterback has played like that. Yeah. the NFL. I mean, as it relates to Kyle, we talked about his body language last week. I think one thing, you start wondering, does 
is there a point where a team loses so much that they lose faith in a coach? I think if 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 that were at risk of happening, you don't get a performance like they had on Monday Night Football, right? No, I mean people like Twitter had lost faith, but I don't but think I, players. But I think most fans had too. Like fans were down. And someone well, texted me last night. The, same thing. The, that's what I meant. The, the resale market, you know, coming up with some of the lesser games. I think the Bengals come here is really down. Somebody tell yeah. the resale market the Bengals are solid. Well, I mean, resale market could use week. a Bengals win this weekend. Yeah, they could. But you know, but 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 to the point on Kyle, like I I think part of what they showed was that they that he still has him inside of him. Like we'll talk about the players, but we disagree a little bit on how it happened. I do think we can agree that it it had to happen for him, given that it just felt like every loss stacked on top of another loss, stacked on top of another loss. He's not a naturally glass half full guy. <laughs> And that makes it particularly difficult when you're losing. Well, because because like I said about the confidence, the only way to get confidence is to do things and then have success. There's no other way to do it, right? You have to do it and then it to go well. But you have to do it. And Kyle has just been losing a lot. Like he's just been losing all the time. All these other guys, Vrabel, LaFleur, these guys win. McVay win. For whatever, Kyle's just losing. And we can make excuses for every individual game, but the losses kept coming. And the best part about football, unlike basketball, like the Warriors play tonight, like does the game really that matter that much against the Nets? No, there's fucking 82 of them. It really, they could win by 20. They could lose by 20. It doesn't mean shit. It's going to be fun. I got a little money on the over, but it's like, whatever. In football, like every game, and especially like, I would say like every three or four game stretch is a lot of the season. So when you lose a ton, I think it was very fair to like, what is going on? Because you eventually a good coach just finds a way to win. Whether it's think about the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, their season felt like it was in shambles. Then Rodgers gets COVID and he's out, and they're playing Jordan Love, and it's just like then the game's going on and they're kind of playing like shit, but they just found a fucking way to win, and all of a sudden they win the game thirteen to seven. You're like they just won a game. It sucked, and I don't think they were really happy about it, but they just got to win. And then they could just breathe as they got ready for the next. The Niners haven't been able to just breathe and get ready for the next big game. You know, because ultimately the Jags, like they should win that game, but just have a win where the next week is like Seattle or Arizona or Dallas, you know, just another big team. Like that's, but you can breathe going into the big game. They've always just kind of been against the ropes this season. And that's what happens when you lose a lot. When, you know, like the Jets or the Jags lose a lot, but it's like none of their games mattered to begin with. Like we all, the Niners, part of it was like, we're not totally dead, but we're we're hanging on by a thread. <laughs> I think it's hard in football when you're just hanging on by a thread, you know? Because the pressure the mo- goes up, and you and need then the, the mo- pressure to go down. And then the moment you get down, like, in the game, like, oh, I'm down 10-3. Like, we better not go three and out. And every, you kind of feel it watching it. Yeah. They they needed that last night. and the, Kyle needed that in the worst way, where you could just breathe a little bit. I, the worst thing you can do as a coach, right, is try and be something that you're not. And so the solution for Kyle was never just start smiling more. Just, you know, be, be more smiley. Cheer cheer a little more on the sideline. Jump up and down and hit guys on the helmet. I saw last week, you know, our guy, Jonathan Smith, broke the – there's the Manning curse people have been talking about, but there was also the Ham curse. Jake Hayner, then they lose. Uh, actually, they won the next game, but then they lost to Boise. Jonathan Smith comes on. They lose their next two games – while they're on the verge of becoming bowl eligible for the first time since 2013. 
Well, they won last week. And somebody posted a video from the sideline of a big touchdown that got scored, and they were filming from behind Jonathan Smith on the sideline. It was like a huge score. Place is going nuts. Jonathan Smith, sh- I mean, he not only does he not celebrate, like his shoulders don't even move. Like there's no this, arms in the air, nothing. And they asked him about it, and he was like, you know, I guess that's just my nature. I'm always so focused. He's like, you know, the thing when you're coaching the game on the sideline, you don't get to rewind the TV and watch the play again. Like you have to really absorb everything that's happening because it's going to be your only look at it. Maybe you can look up at the video board and get a replay, but you can't rely on that. So what you're doing is you're, uh, I, he said, what I'm doing, I'm absorbing what's happening and I'm just thinking about the next thing we have to do. And that's why that for me, maybe I'm naturally just not that guy to begin with, but we watched some of his highlights as a player. Like he was jumping around and high five and as a coach, that's just not, so he can't, if he tried to act like Kalani Sataki and started running around the sidelines, high-fiving people like crazy, he would not be doing the thing that he feels like he needs to do, you know, to stay on top of who he BYU is. BYU coach is like a Robert Sala? BYU coach is like Sala on steroids, John. You should see him. I don't think I've, I haven't watched Oh, my BYU God. Football. He is like, you would think he was a player. The level he celebrates at, I would say, I don't know if there's a coach that I in football right now that celebrates as much as BYU's head coach Kalani Sataki. I mean, he's doing like the arms up and down and the chest bumping and the high fiving. Uh, I don't know how he does that and decides, you know, whether or not to go for two. I mean, it's crazy. My my favorite I, one is when Chris Peterson when they scored the uh, the Ian Johnson two pointer and he does the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, true offensive. That's that was one that he probably drew up on Tuesday. I don't know how you describe that for the podcast listeners, the move that you just made. Yeah, well, Kellen Moore also has a gif where I think he looked at him and he does it too. I think they both, I mean, they're probably the same person at this point in time, don't you think? uh, Kellen Moore, Pete, Pete, Chris Peterson went into Kellen Moore's body and they like created (laughs) him. (laughs) I can only imagine, like, Chris has to be sending Kellen ideas every week, right? I'd imagine they're pretty close, yeah. EKBZ on the stream says uh, PJ Fleck. He basically doubles as the Gophers mascot. In any event, that's well, not they, Kyle. Like, they, they ain't winning very much anymore. No. Kyle's thing is, fist, like you pointed out to me, right? Kyle has a thing. Fist pumps. That's it. And they're not but, even, not a, and there's no smiles that come with them. But, but I don't think it was, like, I, I still stand by the body language being really shitty. And you're allowed to be, like Tom Brady, if you watch the uh, press conference he did, I just saw Howard Eskin, who just hates the Patriots because he's an Eagle guy, and they always talk shits about Tom Brady and Belichick. Posted like a two-minute clip of Tom Brady after the Bucks lost the football team, and Tom Brady was miserable prick. And Belichick clearly has had some losses where I think he's notoriously like just leaves the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't even know if he shakes hands; he just takes off. Not a sore. Hey, John, no, no, John. He didn't shake Mark, Mike Martz's hand after they won the first Super Bowl. Martz was waiting for him. Belichick never showed up. He doesn't so, shake anybody's hand ever. I, I I do think there's something to Lombardi's famous quote, which I've heard is debated whether he actually said it, but you show me a loser or you show me a sore loser, I'll show you a loser. Yeah. The problem is when you lose a lot, and let's face it, we've talked about Kyle's record a lot. He has a lot more losses than wins for the way we talk about him. Like Google yeah. Mike Vrabel's wins. You know, so when you act like a petulant, petulant's the wrong word, but just a miserable like just awful on the sideline, people go, God, man, you know, 
Now, when you're winning, he's not even smiling that much either, which is fine. When you win, you're allowed. When you win a lot, Mike Mike Vrabel can do whatever he wants now. If he wants to be pissed off after a loss, it's like, well, I just won eight of my last 10 games, right? We're the number one seed. Belichick, Brady, they're allowed to do that. It is like you do get nitpicked when you just lose. And that's what I'm saying about Kyle. Like, people just, just win. And if you can win, just do whatever you got to do. Just rattle off some wins, and everyone will get off your back. It's it's well, a pretty basic formula in football. There's but, no but question. Guy, but, but he's I, been losing a lot. You know, that's the thing. A lot. Right. You know, and, and I think people lost faith in him. But him not smiling isn't the problem. Him losing no, it's is not. the problem. I give him yeah. credit for being the same guy, being consistent. Um, to me, what's important is that you treat – I think what's critical is that you treat your – like that you – you, you make sure your players understand that you're not blaming them and that you're solution-focused. For sure. More and that's so not, than, and I, it doesn't feel like the players have dropped them. No, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. It's like the losing made the body language that he always has look worse. Yes. He's but not built to way, lose. Just isn't, like that his the father way, isn't that the way life works a little bit, though? Right? When things aren't going well, like people's like, man, just fuck. No one wants to be around a negative Nancy well, when no, everything's shitty. Absolutely. But I also think you get credit for being the same guy, for being consistent as a person. Yeah, he's not a front. He he's not a front runner. You know, right? I, but but I guess my question is then: What could he have? Your your point, and I agree, is the way to change his body language is actually to have the same body language just to win while having it. You just don't lose. But like you're yeah. gonna lose. But that's not a body lo- language issue. That's a winning and losing issue. Well, yeah, you're gonna lose. You know, five times in a month and a half. Like people are gonna hate the way you just carry yourself. If Belichick lost all the time, what was the famous thing? I think Wickersham wrote that Robert Kraft told someone the moment like if this guy didn't win so much, I, I would want to spend a minute around the miserable sob. Like no one wins so much, you fire him. But he, he, yeah, he wins all the I mean, time. So it's you like wouldn't spend any time around him because you'd fire him. You win all the time, you know, just win at a higher clip. You can do whatever you want. But I think Stop one thing's losing. clear. I think we can use his father as an example. He wasn't – his body language – Kyle could get fired from six jobs and his body language isn't going to change. I know, but for the most part, I mean, the football team, but like when Mike was in Denver, he consistently won. Yeah, but we're talking about winning and losing as if it's the same – like bot, winning and losing. That's the thing. But I'm not Kyle's talking one game language. or two. I'm just talking – just start start winning 10 games a year and everyone will get off your back. Right, but that's not a body language thing. We're not. It's just when you lose, we find a million different things that's wrong with you. Yeah, but I mean, most like, if you're a constant loser, you, you those guys tend to have to like kind of be positive to like we're not going anywhere. Kyle like carries himself like he should be winning 13 games every year. It's like when it's like when hitters get mad when they pop up and the pitcher gets pissed. Like, bro, you weren't supposed to hit that out. Like, are we sure you're supposed to go to the playoffs every year? Because your resume would say no. That's where I'm just saying. Everyone, you just start rattling off some winning seasons. People will love you. And I, I think he he teeter-totters, though, but he loses a lot for a guy that's anointed. So he's kind of in this weird note. Like, there's not a coach but like him, guy. Yeah, there isn't I, a guy that but exists that's exter- like him. Of course, but that's external. That is, What does that have to do with his body language? Like, you're saying, you're right. He makes himself a target by not being a smiley, happy guy. I'm not saying he's going to change. Uh, but that's clearly not. Yeah. That's for him to deal with if he loses. Right. No but one I, will give I, a shit if he wins. Of course. But I'm saying maybe that should be a hint to us that we shouldn't give a shit when he loses, that his body language doesn't involve smiling. Well, I know. Well, hopefully he's not losing 10 times a year, so we don't even have to talk about it that much. Right. Well, that's well, the problem. My point is maybe that's an unfair criticism that he's not a smiler. 
Yeah, but I do think when you're, you know, going six and 10, four out of five years, people think, and I think this is understandable from just a guy who's a diehard fan watching the couch, like, does this guy even want to be here? Yeah. I think that can be unfair if that that's that's an unfair criticism then if if the yeah. person actually wants to. Well, most guys that, you know, don't average seven wins a season don't last. You don't have to watch them seven straight years. Oh, exactly. Right? <laughs> so uh, he's had a bizarre yeah. career. You know, there's no he's been very unique. Somebody in the chat said his dad had John Elway. His dad had John Elway kind of late in John Elway's career. If he had had John Elway earlier. Imagine what could have, you know, if he had been John Elway's coach from 1992 on, what year did he get there? Or actually, 92 was actually kind of close to when he got there. If he had yeah, had John Elway got, from 88, maybe. Yeah, he got there in uh, his first year. They were 8-8, eight and 13-3, eight, 12-4, and 14-2. Elway retires. They go 6-10. and 10. Then they go 11-5, and 8-8, 9-7, 10-6, 10-6, 13-3, 9-7. So that's... He's one of the... Uh, Mike is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, I think Mike's one of the great coaches in NFL history. I'm not putting he, him in like on top he's five, pretty, but he's pretty good. Like I bet if we got, you know, if we asked, if you just well, got like, like a bunch of coaches together, contemporaries. Yeah. People built bell. I know Belichick loved him, but I would just say this, like the, like Andy Reed's resume is better. Won a lot more. Now he just has that extra Super Bowl. Andy does. Yeah. Oh, no, right. I, Mike does. I, I, yeah. I'm saying that this two Super Bowls make it sound pretty sweet. Like his seasons were good, but a lot of the ten and sixes in there. It's not like he was going thirteen and threes and like going to AFC Championship games all the time. But what percentage of coaches? No, I know he was above. I mean, he was an above average, borderline Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you said in his prime, would I take Mike Shanahan, Tony Dungy, Bill Cowher? Something like if you gave me, I, you could pick Mike Shanahan. Those guys are in the Hall of Fame, but I've always said that, like, I think the Hall of Fame started getting a little too easy to get into for coaches. If Mike, if like, if those, if 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 Dungy's in the Hall of Fame, Mike Shanahan should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, I would agree there. Point. I was no, like, you, you get credit for that point. Uh, before we go on, John, talk about uh, Debo Samuel and a few other people that had big games, star players that had big games. Let's tell the people about Decked, Decked dot com, Decked dot com. And then you go slash ham. Deck.com slash ham. Take your truck bed to the next level. Yep. The deck drawer system guy, full bed length, can carry up to 200 pounds of whatever you got. 2,000 pound payload. Put that bad boy in your truck when the tailgate is up. It's, uh, you know, it's criminal proof. You can't break into it. Uh, The deck is 100% American made and backed by a lifetime no hassle warranty with second to none customer service. It's ready to answer all your questions. As they told us, no one's ever, you know, lifetime guarantee. It's hard to beat that. No, it's impossible to beat that. I think when we talked to them the first time, it was like three years, but, but you know, we've never turned anybody down. I think they just said, screw it. We'll just make it lifetime because yep. why not? We've got the product out there and we see that it's worth it. The deck drawer system keeps all your gear secure. It's weatherproof, so it keeps you safe from the rain, the ice, the snow, and it makes organizing and accessing everything you need so much easier get your deck drawer system at deck.com slash ham and get free shipping that's decked.com slash ham for free shipping decked.com slash ham decked.com slash ham uh podcast also brought to you by our friends at indeed indeed why are you holding your breath indeed.com slash ham 
guy. Indeed.com slash champ. Do not struggle to find quality candidates. Right now, if you've seen the great resignation, there are a lot of candidates out there. And let's face it, they're eventually going to be looking for some work. And if you're listening to this, you run a small business, you run a big business, you, you're looking for candidates because we know people are. Indeed's partners with you on every step of the hiring pro- process so you can find talent with the skills you need through tools like the Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can even invite them to apply right away. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Think of your company as uh, your fantasy team. And it's safe to say that both of our uh, fantasy teams, John, our daily fantasy teams, could use a little Indeed. Who do you trust to help you make a deep playoff run? Because real life is not daily fantasy. You don't get to just remake your roster every week. So you need to make sure you're getting the right people in, you're interviewing them, you're hiring them, and that they're a match, that they're a great match. And that's why Indeed right now is giving you a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ham. Yep, $75 credit, Indeed.com slash ham. Indeed delivers one and a half times more hires than even internal referrals, according to Talent Nest. It's the number one source of hires in the U.S., Indeed.com slash ham. All right, John, do the Niners have the super you, – you mentioned earlier Sean McVay said, you know, our big our PTPers need to stand up to uh, to quote the Dick Vitale. Get better soon. Our yeah, PTPers. I almost said RIP. He's still going. Chemo. Dick Vitale once put his arm around me at the Final Four. Very nice guy. Didn't know me from Adam. I said, Dick, do you have three minutes to talk to me as we walk off the court after Louisville uh, won the national championship and, and Jim Nance put his tie around Peyton Siva's next? And Dickie V was like, come on, baby, walk with me. And Stump the Schwab was like, Dickie V, we got to get to our plane. Stump the Schwab was Dickie V's like assistant holding his bag. Dickie V's like, hey, it's great to talk to you. It was unbelievable, John. Very cool. Do you, think, do, you, do you think Nance gives his tie to like AJ Dillon after he calls like Packers Seattle and the guy has a great game? <laughs> it's a, he always likes an upperclassman, so maybe he gives it to Rogers. Aaron's like, what am I going to do with this tie? Yeah, Rogers doesn't feel like a tie guy. Like Romo. Romo's got the same tie. <laughs> Romo doesn't wear one. Remember when we oh, went no, he to, does. Uh, he does. He does. He's remember when we shape. went to Pebble? We went to Pebble. We went to eat at, uh, we didn't play it. We went to the, the food and they had the, the Jim Nance, Vineyard Vines by Jim Nance store right there. <laughs> You notice, I mean, sometimes if I'm watching like a random PJ golf tournament, they sponsor that. Like he, yeah. he buys ads on it. Yeah, Vineyard Vines by Jim Nance. <laughs> anyway, so McVay said after the game, our star players, what about, what would you notice, John, watching the Niners star players in Monday Night Football? Well, I mean, let's face it, Debo's kind of become a star this year. I mean, he's taken his game to a completely different level. And I know the stats back it up, but the eye test, he is a dominant force. I mean, just an elite player. That touchdown, I mean, I'm thinking they're up huge. I think it's 24 to 7. And it's it's in the fourth quarter. I'm going, Kyle, I am I'm as pro going for it on fourth down as anyone. I'm just like, punt the ball. And he goes for it on fourth and six. He scores a touchdown. At the 40. At the, At the Rams cra- 40. It was crazy. And it was, but it wasn't once it was in Debo's hand, it wasn't that crazy. I thought, no. I mean, the the decision to me was just a little crazy because like, why are we just just keep running the ball? They can't even beat you. They're down three scores. What are we doing? But it's like, boom, Debo. He's just a dominant, dominant player. And the other guy that is just truly an unstoppable force is George Kittle. Like, there's really, 
you know, Waller is such a different player than him. He's really more of a true wide receiver. Kelsey's more of I'm not. This is gonna sound bad because he's an, he's an he's a Hall of Famer. Is a little more finesse though. He's a physical guy, but he's not. George is looking to destroy people when the ball is in his. No one wants to hit George, and it takes three guys to bring him down. Now that's part of the reason he misses games every season. But he's. Did you see the highlight that went viral of him blocking Von Miller? Yes, it got a little <laughs> chip, but still, Von. It yeah. looked like it double broke Von's legs. Destroyed him. But he's done that so many times over the years. Now, Vaughn is probably a better matchup than, like, let's say, like a Bosa brother. You know, he's a little small. He's just leaner, a little smaller. It's just, but that's a, you had to be thinking, like, less knees. Like, we gave up second and third, and fucking, we, this guy can't even just hold the point against George. Yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> You're right. You he know, got he got hit from the side. It might have thrown off his balance a little bit. Was but you check that came him, over? It, it looked like a tackle might have, you know, Trent gave him one of these. Or maybe it was Juszczyk hitting him on the way by. He got slammed. Yeah, I mean, you. I, I think you would add Bosa to. He's a he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, Von Miller. Got he slammed. Is. He's not that guy today, but no, he's he is not. a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know what you just described is why when Kittle's healthy, there's a debate about him or Kelsey. When he's not healthy, a because Kelsey's on the field, it's easy to argue Kelsey, and b he's not on the field, so that you know you say Kelsey. Part of the reason maybe Kelsey doesn't miss games is because that he plays a less physical, quote-unquote, if that's possible in football, it's all relative style than, than George. The irony being they, George they, has been hurt they definitely don't ask him. They definitely don't ask him to be in the trenches probably as much as George, right? And they're, they are they don't run the ball. Like, no, Andy's they don't. Not like, Maybe Andy's they would. Not Mr. They, would Andy run the ball more if no. he had Kittle? Or would he just yeah, prefer I mean, to have a little more. I mean, he's had – I mean, he had great players in Philadelphia. He was throwing the pill around a lot. He likes yeah. throwing to the running backs. That's yeah. his run game. Uh, and 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 Kyle doesn't Kyle run does that many screens. Kyle runs the ball to his receivers. <laughs> yeah. So Andy likes to throw to running backs. Kyle runs the ball to Debo. He'll throw he'll throw him for Debo. He doesn't throw running back screens as much, but he'll do Debo screens, Ayuk screens, right? Yeah. He'll do receiver screens more than running back screens. It seems like. Um, Debo Samuel right now is third in the NFL in total yardage. Jonathan Taylor is one. Cooper Cup is two. Debo Samuel is three. Cordero Patterson is four. Having a hell of a season. Derrick Henry is five. He racked up a lot of yards in uh, about six games. <laughs> um, so, you know, Debo. Did you tell me Derrick like Henry leads the league in rushing still and he's missed multiple games now? Yeah, I did tell you that. It turns out I think he's actually tied. Uh, he's at a he's at a he's at a tie at nine thirty seven with Jonathan Taylor, but yeah, still, he actually has. Uh, let me do the math here: thirty nine and nineteen, uh, twenty forty. So like sixty more carries than Jonathan Taylor. Derrick Henry does right now. Jonathan Taylor's pretty sweet, but D- Debo is. I mean, yeah, he's one of the best players in the NFL, and he's. He's playing like it. Like he's not one of the best players based on production only. Like is Cooper Cup a, a top five offensive player? It's hard. I mean, his production would say yes, but when you watch him, you go, I'd rather have Devontae Adams. Like I'd rather have CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, I'd rather have Justin Jefferson. Like would the Niners straight up trade Debo Samuel for Cooper Cup? You would say, well, based on numbers and stuff, but it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Cooper's got 85 catches. Like, 
Cooper has well, had well, a like, full season. He's played a full season, basically. NFL production. If, if the season ends, if the season ends, unless Snead calls Spielman goes Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, straight up, they hang up, right? The Cowboys, CD Lamb would not. Well, I think do that like deal. the Niners would say no. Cooper for Debo, right? They would. CD Lamb, no. Uh, Mike Evans, no. You know, you just go around the league, you're getting a lot of no's, even though his production more than likely is going to be better than all these guys. And I'm not, again, it feels like we're shitting on the guy. No, it's a really not good to player, him. But he's just not, it, it's a unique circumstance. Well, and I think Debo's a unique player. That's part of the point of this. Is he yeah. is, I saw somebody in the chat, I can't find it, says Debo is everything we hoped Percy Harvin would be. Um, I don't know that I quite realized exactly how much I think it's hard to be a Swiss army knife when you're great at something and Debo. And it's hard to be great at something if you're a Swiss army knife and Debo is both Debo is great and a Swiss army knife. And that combination, you don't get that combination a lot. I feel like a lot more people had Swiss army knives when we were growing up than people. Yeah. I mean, you were constantly, you know, cutting some ropes to get in a gate or. Yeah. uh, I, I don't know. Just put my dad always. My dad had a for a period of my younger life, so like nineties, had like a Leatherman on his belt. You remember? You know, a Leatherman. Like the, it's like a it, nice Swiss yeah. Army knife. Yeah. You know? It was at a Leatherman. Like we were about to. I don't even know. I don't. I don't even remember what he was always doing with his Leatherman. Well, but I mean, he always had it, and he used it all the time. Yeah, there was just less. You know, you couldn't just go on your phone and YouTube how to fix something. You just needed some shit ready to go, right? I, yeah, I. Because it had like it was it always had the bottle opener, so if you wanted a little bottle of wine, but you could also had the multiple things to like break into a house, but also cut a rope. Yep, screwdriver had the screwdriver on it. Had the I would imagine wouldn't you wouldn't you venture to guess the Swiss Army knife uh, production has just gone down over the S- years? sales? You think are a little low? <laughs> yeah, I just would imagine they've dipped. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would do if I were like a handyman. I'd be on uh, like one of those apps where people hire handyman, and all I'd ever show up for with is, is, is like, yeah, I can do anything with a anything a Swiss Army knife can do is what you can hire me to do. So like MacGyver, yeah, like MacGyver. So I I just but do you agree? Like it feels like most guys who do everything, it's the old saying, right? Uh, jack of all trades, expert of none. Is that what it is? Expert. Yeah, jack Ace of all trades, ma- ma- master, master of none. Of none. Yeah, master of none. I agree. But he he's a master of. It feels like he's a master of everything he does. Yeah, he's he's become, I mean, a star player for them. And that's what I think was kind of frustrating is they were wasting a season. Now, granted, when Kittle's around, their offense becomes dramatically better. It really was last week they were just fumbling the ball. Like you could, you felt Kittle's presence in that Arizona game. He changes their franchise. And I think sometimes when he's missing, you start questioning it, and it's when he's back you really – value his importance <laughs> i i mean he's very very important to kyle's offense he he really is and obviously i mean one guy we talked a lot about before the season you know they've had some players now you know george missed games obviously mcglinchy Torres quad which when you just say that out loud you're like that had to hurt right i i, I can't imagine the pain that goes through tearing a quad but bosa we, we we talked a lot about in august how many games would you sign up for He's played in every game. He has eight sacks. And there, there could be some games late in the season, right? You start playing some of the shittier teams. He could have a couple double-digit, you know, two-sack, two-sack. All of a sudden, could he get to like 16 sacks on the season? Like, that's that's everything you want. And you just watch him play. He kind of has to – it feels at point times like he has to do everything on his own. Like, they don't have too many other guys, like, creating pressure. <laughs> like, there's not just like, oh, there's – 
94 doing shit. There's even Eric, you know, it's like 91. Where is he? You know, you see him standing there. He plays hard, but he's not, he's not Mr. Like smoke a guard and get in the backfield really fast. Yeah. So, you know, their, their team is dramatically different than that 19 team that would felt like they were in the backfield every other series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they don't feel like that quite anymore, but both not only in the, around it, the edge. Yeah. If I, if, if I had a mental image of that team, it'd be the pocket being like two feet wide. Cause the whole thing was just, you were getting, we had a two, up. six, you had the two, six, eight guys coming at you. And then you had these speed demons coming off the edge and it was just, you'd get engulfed. Those guys were huge at the two of them combined. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, what, I, what, remind me, do you remember what we set the number at the beginning of the year? Like if you had, what would be a great year for post? I think we said I like, like 13 sacks, you know, I think there was, I was going to we say I think we did 15, but 15 is really high. Um, but the yeah, game I mean, helps though. Uh, right now, the league leader in sacks is Miles Garrett with 13. TJ Watt has 12 and a half. Harold Landry of the Titans has 10. Judon, nine and a half. Good signing. Hassan Reddick, nine and a half. Marcus Gold, nine. And Bosa has eight. Trey Hendrickson has eight and a half for Cincinnati. I saw white someone. Named, white guy named Trey, by the way. He's good. Could, I, saw someone, I saw someone tweet judon's just production his sacks his tackles for losses they're like this is what a good signing looks like and if you just watch the patriots you're like there's nine he's everywhere he's always wearing long sleeves guy's a beast pretty good player good signing belichick looks i mean he looks the way you're supposed to look like you said in a single digit so guys look weird in a single digit he looks good in a single digit yeah if you go where'd he come from you just guess like uh probably the steelers or the ravens you're like yeah he came from the ravens ozzy finds those guys he does just they have the same it's just Alabama types. Where did Judon go to school? Honestly, I'd never heard of him before he... Uh... I'm going to close my eyes and say mm, Mississippi State. Not even close. Grand really? Valley State. Huh? Grand Valley State. He was a fifth round pick out of Grand Valley State. And where it's is not that? Like he's, uh, Grand Valley State is in Michigan. It's where Brian Kelly used to coach. They were like the powerhouse but it's not like, oh, I bet he's from just a little town in Michigan. No, he grew up in Baton Rouge. So maybe he was just a big-time late bloomer. Wow. You don't see many elite defensive players that aren't from, at minimum, like non-Power 5 programs. That's pretty rare. I would say that's the one position group, for the most part, that's coming from Power 5. Just like Power like. Uh, and even if it's a random power five, like the kids from Baylor, the guys from, you know, Oregon State or something, it's not like division two. You're not finding division two defensive linemen. Like you're finding receivers, yeah. Or, yeah, or even DBs or whatever, you know. Where's DJ Jones from? SEC. Even he, yeah, he's from Ole Miss, you know. I bet the Niners defensive linemen, like D Ford, Auburn, Armstead, Oregon. Bose, Ohio State, him, Ole Miss, Arden Key, LSU, Mo- Maurice Hurst. He's injured, but Michigan, like most of their group is, you know, power five. The kid they traded for that was, we talked about being the underachiever, Texas. You yeah. just, you're not scouring UC Davis for like, they got a, they got a pass rush and D tackle. No, they don't. They might have a punter though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they, they have a smart safety. <laughs> the, the, the D tackles ain't ended up there because most D tackles don't just become D tackles at twenty, right? They they look pretty you, good you, at seventeen. Well, what was <laughs> the know? thing? Max Crosby was eleven pounds at birth, right? Well, one of the things that was interesting about that game is that the Chiefs' third string tackle went to school with Max Crosby. Yeah, they went head to head on a couple of plays. 
And I was like, you know, that's probably a good matchup for a backup that feels very confident. I mean, think how many reps those two guys have taken. Clearly, the probably the best two players on the team, right? Yeah, yeah. At wherever, Eastern Michigan Eastern or wherever Michigan. the hell he went. Yeah. Uh, an interesting conversation going on in the chat. Brady says, Cup is a better receiver than Debo. Debo is a gadget guy. And then uh, Mike says, Brady, Cup you can argue he's a better pure receiver. I also think in a high pass offense, hard to compare what Debo and Cup do for their respective offenses. I do think both coaches would be able to use the other guy. Obviously, I mean they're they're similar. Yeah, I mean Co- Cooper Cup is anybody a legit can use both player. Of these guys. Cooper Cooper Cup is uh, you know I don't want to say star. I mean he's a fantasy star. Would I take him over the top guys? I would not. But he's. He also signed, I mean, I, I think his contract was like one of those team-friendly type deals, like a three-year, $47 million deal. Like, is, are, are the Niners getting Debo three years, 47 after this year? I'm going to go with uh, no. <laughs> so, like, w- would the Niners sign up for this? Three years, 47, $6 million signing bonus, 35 guarantees. How fast would Parag do that deal? Yeah, I mean, the re- that'd be less than Kittle got, right? I think Kittle got, guarantees? remember, I think I'm Kittle saying? was like 32. Yeah, I mean, you'd be paying him like a tight. Are the Niners going to argue that he's like. Well, I'm just saying, argue. well, no, but that, that I'm saying that's what Cooper Cup got. Like, I'm just saying, are the Niners saying? giving him carries so then they can argue in arbitration that he's a running back? The problem is he's going to have so many receptions, they'll be screwed. What would you guess Debo Samuel, like the, who they can extend after this season, would get? Uh, what did Amari get, 60? He got 560, 560 guaranteed. I mean, Debo is going to be, uh, if he keeps going, he's going to be top five in the league in yards this year. Would you do five, excuse me, f- I, I'd go a little shorter, 480, Is it? would he sign this? 480, 40 guaranteed? 20 a year? Where does that, where does, where does that put him among receiver contracts? Well, remember, Devontae Adams was kind of, you know, he needs to get a new contract. It's going to be astronomical. DeAndre he's Hopkins. Be a, he's a true free agent, right? Who is? I mean, I guess they could Devontae. Devontae. Yeah. Remember, DeAndre Hopkins threw everything off because he signed that deal with the Arizona Cardinals. It was like two years, and it was like 45, so it averaged like 22. And Devon, But they were saying it was like a fake deal. Devontae was like, I deserve 25. And the Packers like, well, that's not true average per year. The average per year normal is, is Amari at 20. Because I don't think Debo's been doing it long enough to be at that number. Can they get him at eight, eighteen a year? Uh, man, that feels I, like a number I would sign if I were him. Eighteen a year? I'd do the DeAndre Hopkins deal. Just give him two years, like forty-five million dollars guaranteed. But why would he do that? He's well, been he hurt. Um, but basically, just guarantee every penny. Julio is 64. Julio got 64 guaranteed. Mike Evans, 55. Do you notice where Julio is right now? Uh, Is he hurt? Yeah, he's on injury reserve. Yeah. With his hamstring, which Um, is always his hamstring. Well, and historically with Debo, you've had some of those soft tissue injuries. I mean, I think he's getting at least the floor's got to be like because he's a second round pick so he's going to be going into his last year of his contract they they they're historically they they sign guys like this early so maybe he gets 30 yeah maybe he gets 40 guaranteed 
So would you do the 480, 40 guaranteed, 20 a year? If I'm the Niners? Does this feel a little rich? feels pretty rich. It does. But he I hasn't been doing it that long. No, but he looks like one of the best players in the NFL. <laughs> no. That's what but he that's, is. That's where you balance. It's like part of being a best player in the NFL is like Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams. These guys do it year after year. Even you got to give Amari credit, right? He has Amari's put together a large body of work at this point. Yeah, his body I, of work is relatively small. Yeah, so maybe it is 38, 37. I kind of feel like a win. But if you get him for 35, I mean, you're doing jump through Hulu hoops. But you're yeah. still, to me, is, you know, just one. Okay, a, a lot of players have had the one healthy year. Can you put together like four straight healthy years? And right. even like if you're one miss, like Devontae's had miss a game here and there, we can live with that. Like well, if that, I'm a coach or a GM. Can you, but are you going to miss like four? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to blame Kittle as much because he's been taken out by his quarterback on some of the injuries. I know his injuries aren't even like a result of him being a reckless player. Yeah, it's like, well, he keeps getting rolled up because you're always asking him to block. Well, that's not what happens. Well, what are his injuries? Well, it's when Jimmy throws and his knees get taken out. Like Cooper Cup, John. Like, say what you want. We're debating who's a more talent, who's a better player. He hasn't missed any player. games, I would bet. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's played 16, 15, and this year he's played in every game. He was 94 catches, 92 catches. This year, again, he's seven catches away from, well, let's say it differently. He's 12 catches, 94 is his career high. Yeah, so he's uh, he's 10 catches away from setting a new career high for receptions, and he has been a really productive player. It's insane. Yeah. Debo's going to need a big contract if he keeps buying those big-ass change. I think, I thought Jason Verrett, uh, provided that. Did you see Cooper is coming off an ACL? Cooper did have an ACL. That's right. You see like, Schefter's Instagram. You see Schefter's Instagram post. No, the, the you know when the Niners come out of the locker room, they come out with the the little white guy, the beatbox guy. You know who's who also does the. Uh, I think he's also the guy that does at DJ? practice the DJ. So he comes out with the boombox, blaring tunes. You know the two guys leading the group, and they were together the other you know a couple weeks ago at Chase Center. They clearly are Debo and Trent. Yeah, those two guys. <laughs> I, I love it when just like kind of a random friendship, like you know, obviously Trent's older, but they're you don't go to a basketball game, random, like they're buddies, right? Yeah. Does which is a good is, thing for Debo because that's Kyle's like favorite player ever, right? He's no dummy. Trent has to be consistently one of the biggest stars in the league that just gets no attention. But isn't that part of being an offensive lineman? I guess I feel like people are always talking about Joe Thomas. Because his team always sucked. Yeah. You're right. I don't Just, know. I mean, do you know what Trent was saying? Like, check people talking about the lot. Pro Bowls? Yeah, well. Like, it was always like, Larry Allen. People always talking about those Cowboys offensive lines. I agree. You're right. He Even for, like, an all-time great offensive lineman, he doesn't get talked about that much. And it doesn't seem like he even cares that much. Doesn't care at all. <laughs> you know, he, is, he is probably the most low-maintenance star player I've ever really seen. You don't even hear him really talk. Even last night, I saw a clip of him talking. Like, yeah, anytime you can just run it down people's throats, it's my favorite thing to do. I'm an offensive lineman, but it's like he's not like he's ever out pumping his chest. Like I'm an all time great. Like he doesn't really talk. He's he's the opposite of arrogant for a guy that's clearly could be. Right? When is Kyle gonna throw him the ball? Because I still think that's coming. I just wonder if you ever want to risk like him tripping on somebody or getting taken what? out his knees. I I just. I think he's best suited when he when he gets to impact, right? Just let him. I don't know if you yep. risk that. He's too valuable. Uh, like we talked, we mentioned a little bit the 
the Rams, but you know, I think we have to kind of discuss whether or not there's any reevaluation going on because I said the other day I like them. I th- I think they're in the handful. What, what do we say? Four teams that can win the Super Bowl: Rams, Bucks, uh, Packers, Packers. Who was the fourth? I don't know if we even Chiefs. Are you talking about the NFC? Maybe it was an NFC conversation. It yeah, was Cowboys, Brian. Yeah. Are they still in that? Do you still feel good about them being in that category after watching them on Monday night and watching them the week before on Sunday night? Was it on the podcast where you threw out the question or was it on the mailbag of the quarterbacks? You know, beside Rodgers and Brady, where's the next group of guys you would trust in a playoff game? It was Dak, Kyler, and Stafford. Was that on the mailbag? I think somebody asked that question in the podcast. Could have been the mailbag. I can't remember. But yeah, somebody well, asked us that question on the stream, yeah. Well, I said, obviously, Brady Rodgers. Yep. And you could argue Rodgers, Brady, whatever. I mean, it's just, that's a weird debate, even though Brady's career is better. But I would then take that Brady. next. Then that next group, I, I yeah, I probably would too, is I would take Dak clearly over the other two guys. I, I, I don't trust Stafford in these big games. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about, Kyle, like to get your confidence, to get your confidence. The one thing Kyle has, Kyle can get his confidence back. Like he's like Roy McElroy. Rory, I don't know if you saw, he, uh, he played that last, you know, the Ryder Cup. They put him, he led off for the Europeans and he lost and he cried. Or no, he won. He kicked ass and he cried after. He said, I fucked the team. Two weeks later, he won that tournament in Vegas and was like, you know what? I, I just I just needed to get my swag back. And I just told myself, I'm Rory McElroy. Just go out there and play. And he starts kicking everyone's ass. I think Rory could have a huge season. He's just kind of like, Rory, just play golf. And I think sometimes with football, like ultimately Brady and Rodgers, Think how many reps they have in big games. I mean, Brady has probably the most reps in big games in the history of the sport. Rodgers has, I mean, a decade plus of playing in, what would you say, on average, five enormous games a year and then multiple playoff games. Yeah, you're talking many, five enormous regular season games. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, like one in October, a couple in November, probably a big boy in December uh, with Al or on Monday night with playoff implications or Nance calling. How many do you think, honestly, Stafford has? He has he's played in three playoff games, so those three games. But how many games during that year, even with the Lions being pretty good, were even that big? I mean, I know they were big to him, but I'd like, say relative to the league. I could be wrong. Maybe it's too low. I'm gonna say that he's played in like nine huge regular season games. Don't you think Rodgers and Brady played in combined probably twelve big games last year? <laughs> right. I mean it's just Last year was weird, but like in 19 or whatever, like in a game where there's fans and stuff. Right. I don't think you can discount the immense pressure on a guy who is now, it's all about football, right? He's already made all the money. Like, it's just, it's about just like, do I have a legacy of people going to look at me as like, it's all he's playing for now. He's already made 200. He's, he's one of the richest quarterbacks ever. (laughs) I mean, it's just, can I prove myself? And honestly, watching him. You kind of feel the weight of it on him a little bit. Like, it's just, it's like, feels like he's forcing it. I don't know. Like, well, I, I've, seen, I've watched I, him enough playing against Minnesota in a meaningless game in 17 where it's just like, this guy's sweet. That yeah. doesn't matter, though. Yeah. It, they, there's a lot going on for them right now. Like, they bring him in as the missing piece, right? Like, to plug him in. But then he's not really the only missing piece because then they go with Von Miller and that's high profile. That's different than, trading for a guy who no one knows who he is. Um, and then they get Odell, and that's high profile. And then Robert Woods gets hurt. Cam Akers gets hurt. That's a big deal. 
And I think so much was made of McVeigh too, right? McVeigh clearly is a guy that puts pressure on his quarterbacks, which is fine. I think a lot of you know great coaches put pressure on the quarterbacks. They need good quarterbacks to step up. But specifically for the Rams, it has felt like Goff became, and maybe rightfully, but Goff became the scapegoat for them that we would be better, and we've been pretty good, but we'd be better if we had a different quarterback. They, they, He was healthy, and he was the backup to a guy who can't throw. So, Walford, the playoff game last year, Walford, yeah, I shouldn't say he can't throw, but it, the to me the message is we got to get golf out of here and upgrade, and that's that. And then not only did they get him, but like there there was a bidding like Kyle wanted him, like uh, multiple teams in the division wanted him, and so I think if you're Stafford, you come into that game. Like, this is the game I'm here for, is to beat that guy. That guy wanted me. My guy got him. I can't lose to the guy that wanted me when my guy got me. I signed with McVeigh. Like, he chose where to go. Uh, what do you say? Asian, but he chose, right? He wouldn't you say Disney. it's probably fair that at minimum five teams were willing at minimum to part with first-round picks, a pick, and then, you know, a one, and then maybe like a three to get him? I don't know if teams were going to go two ones, but... I would say at minimum five teams would have given their first rounder Carolina. I mean, I bet Philly would have thought about it to get Matt Stafford. Like he was a highly valued player viewed in the prism of this really talented guy that hadn't proven much. That was viewed as a draft prospect, kind of like what we can turn him into at 32, 33 years old. Like he's how many guys in the history of the sport, let alone sports, I guess Kevin Garnett a little bit, but Kevin Garnett was so good. Like it was so. I mean, he was he was a, he won an MVP in with the Timberwolves. Like Matt Stafford. Actually, I think there was one season when he was like in the MVP mix a couple years ago. But he's still probably one of the great. I don't even know what the right anomaly is. Probably not even the right word. What if? Like he, he, yeah, that people had, and I think we're kind of finding out people that push back that said, "I think you guys are overvaluing him." Feel pretty because good we about their him. I liked him a lot. I liked line, him too before he was a Ram. People who watched him a lot said, "You guys." Kyle, well, Kyle you, loved him, right? McVeigh, McVeigh loved him. Yeah, but I, I even think the people who would push back on us liking him a lot wouldn't say he's not really talented or that he can't do great things. They would just say, "Have you really watched him? Like, is he really a winner?" And it was always easy to say, "Yeah, but the Lions aren't winners," and so that can infect you, right? Which is true. I also think I think. This is, I think we're having a legitimate conversation. I thought Odell Beckham's appearance in that game affected the Rams because they clearly made it a concerted effort to get him the ball early just to make him happy, which is you first know, completion of the game. First completion of the game. But then the interception was also to him. And did Stafford throw that ball? Because he's like, I got Odell. Let's see what we got here. Boom, let's go. And the problem was him and Odell weren't on the same page. Odell didn't. The reason it was basically a fair catch is because Odell. Hung a left. Know, hung a left, and <laughs> he threw it deep right. And so that was that. And, I mean, that's partly just I, – I still think – I still I think there's time for them. They need time. And it's hard when, like, you're under the spotlight and you're playing in all these pressurized games. But I think we think – and you've always said this. Football's not a plug-and-play sport. And I think with veteran quarterbacks, we just assume you're going to a better team. You're just going to go from there to here, and it's, gonna, it's just going to get better. I, I still am open-minded to he needs time. But, you know, 15 weeks of the season, might not, he might need a playoff experience. 
Yeah. Like it may not be like go play a playoff game and you've had all this time with Odell now and now you're ready to roll. He might need a playoff experience. And then that carries over into the next year. And when you're a Super Bowl or bus team, that can create pressure too. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard I was in the car this morning and Coward, he used, he kind of pushed back against everyone shitting on Stafford. And he said, if you look last year, two guys moved teams, they, Stafford's number were better than Tom Brady's last year going into the bye. They both went in the bye at the same time. Tom came back. They never lost again. They won the Super Bowl. I'm like, well, yeah, stats are on your side on that one. But Tom had, I don't know, 20 years of experience kicking ass and taking names, going to nine Super Bowls. Like his playoff reps were historically high. No one will probably, even Mahomes, when it's all said and done, might never get the playoff reps Tom Brady had at the time that he was playing for the Bucs. Matt does not have that. There's no... He'll just figure it out because that's what he does. He's never had to because they never he never played on really consistently winning teams. And I, I think they are just kind of in this rough spot where they're depending on him, like LaFleur has depended on Rodgers and I would say meshed the Shanahan offense to let him kind of spread it out. Well, Aaron Rodgers is infinitely better than Matt Slash has way more reps and is more comfortable doing things in big games. I, I just think you've seen the last two weeks, Sunday night and Monday night football, where it's just big. You know, Sunday night against the Titans, whose record was legitimately good and were the hottest team in the league. Like, that game was big. He was terrible. And he admitted after the game, I lost us the game. Those two, I gave him 14 points. He did, and he lost him the game. Peyton last night said, when Phil asked him about Matt Stafford and Jared Goff, and he said, of course, Peyton always like, yeah, I talked to Kyle Shanahan. I talked to Odell Beckham. I talked to Michelle McVay. He talks to everybody. It's like he gets more access, it feels like, than the crew. And he said this thing Sean felt the best about last week is the way Matt Stafford handled the loss, like how he was in the building. And and I'd say, Matt or Sean, no one has ever questioned, like no one talks about this guy like he's Odell Beckham Jr. or something. Like Matt Stafford's character is like, we just, it's more about the player. Just the true in a vacuum on the field when the game's going. I, I think that's the question with Matt. Not his talent, not his character, not his intelligence. I, I remember when he was coming out, he either like graduated in three years. Remember, he was like super young when he got drafted, like 20 years old. Yeah. He's like a 4.0 student. Like he checks every box. Except when you watch him sometimes, you're like, what is going on? That to me is the only box he doesn't check, which you could argue you can get away with, you know, some leadership shit. They've been doing it with Rodgers forever. But his play, like if his, if his play is the one box that you just like, do we truly trust this guy when it's big? Isn't that the most concerning thing? Yeah, because I think with the difference between him and Tom is that Tom's question was more about like, does he still have it? Like his talent? Because it's like, just get him. Yeah. That's not the question with Stafford. It's it's different. Like I don't need Tom Brady to prove anything to me statistically. I just it's more with him. Like let's just watch him and see. Is he still kind of okay? He knows what he's doing. Would so you- we'll check back in in ten weeks. This guy's accomplished more because he's played on better teams. But, like, if you just ask NBA players about, like, Russell Westbrook, they clearly respect him a lot, right? I think people hold him in pretty high regard. Maybe not now as much as they did, but even, like, the last five years. It was like he was viewed in NBA circles as really high. I I think Matt Stafford, if you just talked to, like, if you and I just had run into Eli Manning, like, five years ago or just some random DB or what, you just ask people around the league, people thought really highly of Matt Stafford. Like, he's really good. He was well-liked. And I think the coach, remember the coaching community in, in uh, Sando's article always spoke really highly about him. 
but maybe it's just one of those things where it's just like everyone wanted to like him so much because he's such a nice, likable guy and so much talent that he might just be missing a little something. I don't know. I, I, I don't even know how you quantify it, but. Well, I would quantify it like this. Like, well, it's hard to quantify, but I would say it like this. I think probably some of the way that Sando got reaction, some of the reason Sando got the positive reaction was I would imagine a lot of people around the league looked at him and 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 viewed him through the lens of what could we do if we had him or what could I do if he was my quarterback. And I think the hard part is, you know, it's so it's impossible to measure nature versus nurture. And, you know, Tom, it turns out, had something in his nature. But the nurture of any I think for any quarterback, one of the most important things is when you play early, do you play on a team that allows you to not be perfect? Like, do you play for a team that has players around you that you can lean on, a defense that you can lean on, a coaching staff that understands how to use a rookie quarterback? that what they view you could be one day isn't what you have to be today. Like I was tweeting with some going back and forth with some people on Twitter on Monday. Like, I think if we went and found a top five, the top five quarterbacks in the league, by and large, you don't necessarily even know in that player's rookie year that you have a top five quarterback. You hope that the guy you have could be a top five quarterback, but you know, Josh Allen, if Josh, let's say Josh and Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, like we didn't know these were top five quarterbacks, their rookie year. It's, it's, it even takes a few years as a pro for us to realize, okay, this guy developed, this guy didn't. Here's the top five quarterback. Now we know. And you wonder, did the lot is there a growth period in a player's career that can be wasted? And did playing for the Lions stunt his growth? Did not having those reps early in his career stunt his growth in a way that being on a good team? helped Russell Wilson and helped Tom Brady and helped the, they helped these guys blossom in a way that, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, that's what I wonder. That's what I wonder with him. Did he have, did he have it once? Did, can he still get it? Is it too late to develop those skills? You know, I, I think Tom, it turned out like Tom's been great in two minute drills. Well, this is why I said I would take Tom. It, actually, I shouldn't even make it about Tom and Aaron. Tom Brady, forget about how many playoff games he's played. How many times has Tom Brady walked onto the field down a score with two and a half minutes left? I mean, I bet he's done that more than any uh, player alive. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's I, 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 he's probably done that more than half the players who have ever played in the NFL have completions. Like, I bet he has done that more than most people have done a basic thing. Yeah. That it's second nature to him. And it's, that's important. That's really important. And uh, now, again, I I think part of it – so all of that leads me to this. I don't think it can just be Stafford carrying this team. We can't. They, they all, he can do great things, but they have to help him in the way that you help. I'm not calling him a rookie quarterback or a, a, a you know underdeveloped quarterback, but in some ways they can't look at him – Maybe we were wrong to look at him like the missing piece. He is an upgrade at a position that they needed to upgrade, but he's not the missing piece. Well, he might become the missing piece, but it's probably more likely to happen like 23, 24 when he's really comfortable and he got to have a couple years of situations. The problem, though, like you said, is that's not really what they're thinking right now, right? They're not just like, oh, just maybe get a playoff game or two under your belt and we get knocked out in the second round. We'll just come back and right. which is which, again next year. Second year, third year player, that's what you'd be saying. It's why when you put all your chips in the middle of the table, the Bucks did it, but they got Tom Brady. So they knew, like, hey, listen, if you're going to beat us, 
Like, it, it, let's say Tom, and it could happen this year, loses. They lose in like the three six game. They just lose. It won't be because like Tom wasn't ready for the moment or it was too much. Maybe he just got fucking beat. I that would the conversation with Stafford could be if he goes out with a couple picks in a playoff game. It's going to be a long off season for the Stafford talk, right? Yeah, and then it becomes how did you have enough? Have you had enough success? Do you have enough confidence to handle that? Does McVay turn on? We have not had a lot of McVay quarterback experience. How does we well, turned on handle? one? Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> turned on one, <laughs> right? And they they were they were winning, right? A lot of this, and these are you made the point earlier about we disagreed on some stuff with Kyle, but you're right. Like when you're, it is it becomes kind of a self perpetuating thing when you lose things that no one thought about before come up, and it can create a a pressure now. Again, I still think they're in pretty good shape, but I do wonder if 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 I overvalued them based on Stafford. Um, but maybe they can figure I, it out. I, I think like these next couple, two or three games for Matt will be very telling, right? He's just kind of gotten embarrassed two weeks in a row by a division rival, which, you know, it's his first year in the division, but clearly means a lot to them. I bet they took that week pretty seriously. <laughs> I don't think Sean McVay thought they were going to come in, even if they lost, to get ransacked after they just got their ass kicked on Sunday night football. Like, does he bounce back these next couple weeks and play better? You know, because part of like just great players is how you respond to adversity. Uh, John, speaking of dealing with some adversity, let RexMD.com slash ham help you. How about that, Joey Molinaro transition? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> RexMD.com slash ham. Don't wait another minute. RexMD.com slash ham. Yep, it's helped hundreds of thousands of men get generic Viagra from the comfort of their home. Listen, us guys, we all go through things. We don't need to tell anybody. There's no copay. There's no doctor office visit. And your shipping is always free. God, I love free shipping. If you're looking for generic Viagra, RexMD has made the process fast, easy, and most importantly, affordable. So don't yeah. wait another minute. RexMD is now offering starter packs of generic Viagra for our guys out there. New customers, visit RexMD.com slash ham right now to get started. That's RexMD.com slash ham. RexMD.com slash ham. It's all about dealing with adversity. Yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We all get it. What? What happened? Elijah Mitchell broke his finger. <laughs> well, you can run with only, you can run with nine fingers. That's okay. His status is unclear. Which finger? Is he willing uh, to work out 19 hours a day to fix it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some people need some sleep. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. Do do uh, running backs have ball-carrying hands like quarterbacks have throwing hands? Uh, He said doctors seem optimistic that he can still practice and getting a pin in his finger. You should be able to give Elijah the weekend week off. Wilson and, and uh, Trey Sermon. But God, can't buy a break. Wow. He's, I, I mean, know. he's one of their best players. So what are they saying? He needs a week? Is that what you're saying? He needs a week to know. let like, I mean, the it, suture heal? Yeah, it's just... It, it? You know, if it's if it's your carrying hand, obviously, if it's your not your carrying hand, it's probably a little different. I mean, they did draft another guy in the third round that should be, you know, should have some... Uh, doesn't sound point. familiar. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, I think he was like... Trey Sermon star. against... He went to Oklahoma, against, and then he went to Ohio State. Against Urban? Trey Sermon against Urban? But did Trey Sherman ever play for Urban? Did he start at Ohio State? No, he ended at Ohio State. Probably recruited him, though. You're right. He didn't play I, for him. I would guess, yeah, at Oklahoma. I bet we see had, some Trey Sermon this week. I would give Elijah Mitchell the week off if it's even an issue. I mean, they don't just have guys get hurt. They have, like, the man of the hour gets hurt. <laughs> I know. It's always like, let's toast. Oh, shit, he's late because he's at a doctor's yeah. appointment. It, it's never like, you know, the random uh, guy that covers kicks. You know, he just broke a, broke a toe. He's going to be out a couple weeks. Like, oh, no big deal. We'll just move. It's always like, oh, deep, you, guy, you see what happened to Debo Samuel? You know, it's, it's never just some super random. It's it's always Debo, the first name, I hope, doesn't come out of your mouth when you say, uh-oh, Niners injury. I hold my breath. If I just if I just say what was my reaction right then, that was my reaction. If there's gonna be an injury though, you'd want it to be broken finger, non quarterback. Yeah. Even though it probably hurts a lot. I just is it non carrying finger or carrying finger? That's you my know, question. Our beat reporters aren't quite on this. I, I can't. Well, I, I'll be honest. I've never. Uh, I've never heard anyone talk about the carrying hand. Now, I haven't heard everything that anyone's ever said, so maybe it gets discussed all of the time. Five points of pressure? Five points of pressure. They are? I, I don't know. But that's, running back coaches always yell at running backs for that. Debo has a shin contusion day-to-day. I mean, of course Debo has something. Look at the way they use him. It's like, oh, I ran my car through 12 car accidents yesterday. I shouldn't be surprised when the bumper is dented. It's like Yellowstone. It's just constant just crashes and gunfire. I, I grew up around a lot of farmers. These people never shoot at each other on their ranches. If you, the guy, the ranch next to your other ranch, you don't just don't start shooting at each other, fighting for land. Like, it just doesn't out there, Not what, what year is that show set, set in? Like modern times, like 2021, like they're ordering. Tito's. And there's land battles. Yeah, kinda. Like I it's mean, just whoever settles it gets it. 
Yeah, I mean, more just like they try to do business deals with venture capitalists involved, and they use like uh, VC money to try to overpower people. And, you know, the old school guy, like, I'm not selling. And they try to get him to sell, so they'll send people to like shoot him up like a John Wick style. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's just, that does not happen in 2021. But it's very entertaining on the show. But people are dying left and right, getting shot, blasted. You know, at least the succession, you know, it's probably over the top, but it's just a corporation, whatever. No one's getting shot. I mean, this these people are guy are having like gun battles with the cops on their side, protect you know no. I'm gonna give you an unpopular succession take as someone who watches the show and likes it. It's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's because it's negative. Nothing ever happens except people just having just this. It's just family meetings for an hour is all I'm watching. I'm just watching family meetings nonstop. All very negative. So negative, which I don't mind because there's enough humor in it. It makes me laugh. The the Culkin is by far and away the best. Rome, Roman. But it's just I'm watching family meetings for an hour. Yeah, the brother that's like going rogue also has some pretty funny lines. He's also like when, very good, he, yeah. when he just hires like the the comedy between those two and the cousin to me is enough because I'm with you. It's it's a cousin, very negative and exhausting show. But the Colkin, uh, the the rogue brother, and the cousin Greg, and, Greg, and the uh, the other guy that's pretty funny is the husband of Shiv. Yeah, it has some pretty good. funny lines. There's enough comedy that make you that relax it a little bit. But it is, I'm with you. It is. My mom told me she tried to watch and it was just too much for. Her. She couldn't. Too negative. Yeah, she didn't like it. Because uh, yeah. you're not like I. She's not into like VC people buying and these people like obsessed with. But it, to me, I'm not even watching for that. I'm there are some laugh. There's some laughter because yeah, the dad is the dad is not a great like I don't, he doesn't do anything for me. It's like if you watched uh, John Wick where no one shot a gun. People just constantly like arranging arranging their attacks, but no one ever shoots anything. Yeah. Like, Th- that's the one gun. that's the one thing that Yellowstone brings is there's a lot of action. Like it's it's like, you know, like the town or heats or just like it's like a it's a bank robber movie that has enough of that action going on with the over ridiculous just like let's go rope some cattle, you know? <laughs> just cowboys being cowboys. I got to give our guy, our former producer, John, Derek Papa, son of uh, Greg Papa and uh, NFL uh, media uh, employee now, Derek. Um, that uh, Well, I texted him about something the other day and he said he was busy working. Oh. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's probably back. He's got a new podcast now. Um, but uh, he's been on. I got him credit because he's been on. He's like, I'm telling you, the next Monday Night Crew is Al Michaels and Peyton Manning. And then Al Michaels just appears on ESPN last night, which is, you know, not ESPN style. And um, and there were a couple comments made about how Al Al said, you know what I like about you guys? You're not talking about, you know, like the three technique and soft. What was the word he used? Soft zone or I don't know, whatever he was talking about. And the irony is the Mannings talk like that all of the time. They're yeah. constantly doing football. You agree that Al's wrong about that? They, they both of them when they when they don't have a guest kind of dive into you know what Eli what are you seeing here with the the robber left or whatever you know but it's rose colored glasses Al just loves them and so he thinks they don't do the thing that he that he hates that other people do which is loves great. them loves them do you think that's a possibility next year yeah I do because you got Tariko waiting in the wings at NBC 
You got Al. ESPN wants Peyton, but Peyton might only want to work with Al. Do you think if Al left, Chris would be safe? Would they just bump Drew and just go all in on a new crew? I'm not sure that Drew is quite established yet that he's ready to just replace Chris. Because the last thing you want to do, and this happens all the time in media, is people are like, oh, we got this new shiny toy. He's ready to take the place of the old. Let's get the old guy out of here. Like, well, the problem was the old guy was good at his job, and the new shiny toy could use like five years to get up to speed for Sunday night football. Again, I don't know if Drew can do it. I have not watched a Notre Dame game with volume this year. I don't know if you have. I'll tell you this, no. when they do their promos for like coming up at the half for the Sunday night football halftime, Drew just has not found – he's like very smiley right now and slick. He hasn't quite found his – you know, what he is as a bright – which is fine. Most people – Kirk Herbstreet was doing fucking sidelines in 1995 for – like he didn't just – the didn't, they send, a, didn't they send Aikman to the European League? Aikman was in NFL Europe. Klatt was doing uh, Angels pregame show for Fox Sports West. Like, it takes time to build up to something, and we're obsessed with, you know, the rising star, the rising star. So you dub somebody a rising star, you then give them the job that eventually a rising star should have, but too quick. And guess what? It's hard for most people because you're not comfortable yet. You can't fake that. It's the same quarterback conversation. So I would, I think, I like Collinsworth personally. I think I, I enjoy him. him. I would be in no rush to like brush him aside for Drew. There's not that many of these jobs. So what's Drew going to hold over their head? Like what? Like if well, Drew's no, like, I, I want to do games. It doesn't feel like that. I mean, but he's I'm doing just saying, like, what would he even do? Like, who would offer him something better than what? Because he's not getting any number one jobs. Aikman's not going anywhere. Romo's not going anywhere. So where, where would you rank his college job? Like doing Notre Dame on NBC. Is that one a top five college job? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's like, what are the top jobs? It's Clat, right? Clat, Fox, Clat, and, Her- Noon, Clat and Herb Street. Herbie. Are, are After that, it's like, you know, Blackledge on ESPN. Um, uh, Brady was the number two football analyst. I think is it, it's Brock Heward now. It's a solid job, but you know, it's, to me, there's something benefit. You do the same team every. It's Notre Dame. Yeah, you're never. It's never like, well, this week it's this third Big Twelve matchup. I'd imagine they average a couple million people watching every week. Don't you think Notre Dame? Yeah, games I, on think, NBC? I think it's, you're right. It's a pretty sneak, not sneaky, but oh, the C, We didn't talk about the CBS SEC package. That's up there, right? The, Ga- oh, yeah. the Gary Danielson <laughs> package. I, I I would say that just in, I'm talking more in terms of quantity of people watching. I think. Clats game has turned out to be number one. That SEC game is pretty consistently two. And depending on the matchup, Herb Street can jump up, you know, top two, right? But I mean, those just in terms of viewers, I would imagine all the other games, though, you're right, that SEC game is massive. <laughs> uh, I bet Notre Dame just consistently just delivers every week. It probably never hits like, you know, depending on if they played like the game where they played USC back in the day or whatever, right? If they have and an it's- enormous game, but like, I bet it's just consistent two to three million people every week. And the way they schedule, you just get like a you get four games that are just you get your peak. Game, Sweet, right? You yeah. get like them against Georgia. Remember they played that game a couple of years ago. Yeah, them against year, Clemson. The, I watched the game against Cincinnati this week. Cincinnati, this they, they will. They still do. Play. I mean, you know, Stanford and SC are no great shakes this year, but uh, but typically they, they those play, are huge. Those teams. Typically those huge. are big games. And they're, I would bet they're even in years where they're not great, like Stanford and SC, like this year, it's still a pretty big game. SC still plays football this year? Feels like they could just quit. SC is still <laughs> Jackson Dart's going to start a quarterback this week. Oh, that's why you were talking about Jackson Dart. They that's not why I was. I didn't even realize that. Somebody said, "Does uh, 
the offense doesn't change. Tomlin said the offense doesn't change between depending on which quarterback we play, Roethlisberger or Mason Rudolph. And someone's like, yeah, I mean, Mason runs. Has anyone seen Mason run? He's not that much faster than Ben. And then uh, somebody else said, well, Tomlin can't wait to get a mobile quarterback. And then I was making a joke about, well, he could have one if he went to USC and had Jackson Dart. Gotcha. That's how that whole thing played out. I saw Ted then ask you if he was a draft pro- He's yeah, a was true Ted. freshman, right? Right. Yeah, he's a true freshman. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I haven't watched him much. I was like, well, nobody. Yeah, he Did you see the other thing that went kind of viral? Uh, viral, I don't know if it went viral, but Didi, uh, the the woman that covers the Steelers for NFL Network a lot of the time, mm-hmm. was like saying that Dwayne Haskins, you know, pregame, he's the backup quarterback, during warm-ups, checking his phone, like not even paying attention, kind of crushing him. You're saying she, he was the backup, but during the game he was on his phone? Because I think there was some – pregame like not really paying attention in pregame warm-ups because people i guess on the internet were going like why is tomlin if ben can't play again why don't we just see what Dwayne haskins and dd was like well i don't think the steelers coaches are very big on this guy Dwayne haskins he's just there and now they're somewhat just tied to him this year and i think he was screwing around pregame warm-ups we sure he wasn't just like next siri next song wasn't working so we had to update his playlist yeah, it does feel like there's some guys with phones out there. I, you know, now if it was like team warmups and he's got his phone with everyone's pads and your uniform on, that'd be a little weird. But if you're just out there by yourself, it's kind of a loosey goosey operation. Like everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. That feels. Yeah. I'd have to know the context, but she's she's a pretty like nuts and bolts reporter. I don't think she she was throwing it out there. I bet she knows they don't like him. That's the way I got. Yeah, that's that's pretty weird. Because then I saw a guy from Washington quoted and be like, "No one even knows." The, the stuff this guy puts people through, like crushing him as well. Like people just don't like the guy. That is weird. You know that they, they had like a combined 75 attempts and threw for like 320 yards, five quarters, the two of them, him and Goff. And then Matt did, Campbell. Did they throw the ball less than Russ and Aaron? I would, ima- I would imagine they threw the ball more. Russ and Aaron threw the ball less. Russ and Aaron threw the ball more in that game. Would yeah, be my. Okay. Uh, I don't know. But Matt Campbell fired, not fired. He demoted Anthony Lynn because watching that game a couple times, he's going down and then he's it's like, "Is he calling Matt? Wait, or not Dan Campbell? Dan, Dan Campbell's Campbell. calling the plays." And I googled it. Dan Campbell called the plays last week. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> called the plays. That's and like crazy. I guess part of his explanation during the week was like he wanted a better in the flow of the of the team. Never called plays in his life, just calling plays. That seems right, fun. Weird. First time, right. yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. Like Jet Wright, thirty-seven, let her rip. I never even get to say these play names. This is fun. <laughs> Coach, uh, you even know what you just called? All right. On that note. Spend a day. We'll see what the somebody we gotta keep an eye out, John. Let's see if that uh if that 49ers line appears. Somebody earlier said it appeared at six and a half. If that's true, then we should jump on it right now. But we'll uh we'll update you that on update you guys on that soon. Jags, I'd be lying if I said I've watched one snap of them last it does feel like they've been a little feistier. So yeah, they have been. No, that's fair. They have been. There's because their scores have not been like the forty to sevens as they were early in the season. Kevin says four and a half. All I know is I'm about to I've had so much liquid this morning. Yeah. I'm about to burst. Uh, Me too. Okay. All right. Peace. Good show, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.